Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Mother May I Sleep Book Podcast. Today we are doing an episode of Framed for Murder with a new friend that I met on Instagram, Nalling Marina. How, how are you, girl? I'm very well. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited. Of course. This is like the way I've sort of been booking the show right now. <laughs> um, if you DM me on Instagram, there's like a 50-50 chance you're going to get asked to come on the podcast. So. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, But I'm so excited to have you here. You picked an amazing movie, Framed for Murder. Yes. Um, So this movie is fantastic. It's starring Elisa Donovan. For those of you who don't know her, it's Amber from Clueless. Yes. We we love love Amber from Clueless. I mean, Clueless is a great movie in general, but I feel like a lot of the people in the cast like did not get the shine that they needed, including Miss Elisa Donovan. After the fact, I felt like she was just sort of like a one-hit wonder. She did Sabrina, as we were talking yeah. about before this, but um, she always needed a nice movie role for me post-Clueless. I'm, I'm kind of devastated it wound up being on Lifetime, but I thought <laughs> she did a great job in this movie. Um, I did too. She was really a, a shining star amongst amongst you know some some other people in this movie. So I thought she did a really good job. And personally. also Susan Walters, who played Claire, her sister, mm-hmm. she has a huge ass career. She's done so much yeah. stuff. Um, I mean, for me, Elvis and me, when she played Priscilla Presley, was like immediately that jumped out to oh, me on yeah. her IMDb yes. page. Yeah. But she also I, was on Seinfeld. Yes, I am like problematic because I never, I've not watched Seinfeld, so I don't like know anything about it. But I did I don't see think that that's problematic. Um, well, everyone <laughs> just like loves it so much, and I'm not. I, I guess I missed. I missed it. I missed the thing. But I, I knew her from Vampire Diaries. She was on Vampire Diaries. Um, I saw Teen Wolf on there. She's like iconic. I just really loved her performance. She is kind of iconic. Yeah, she did great. I mean, I will say there was really only one low point from an actor (laughs) or actress. And I don't mean to bring you into my bullshit because I know you are (laughs) a a working actress. But there was one low point for me in this Mm -hmm. movie. One character where I was like, oh, that was a weird portrayal. Can you guess who? I have a, I actually have a couple, but I want to, let's see. I, okay. Ch- Charlie to me was like really off. I, I wasn't oh, see, sure. I think, I think Charlie's the next Taryn Manning. I think Charlie was great that you liked her. <laughs> Well, because I love an actress that's like a character actress that's pretty, but like very rough around the edges and was sort of built to play a rough around the edges sort of character. For me, the oddest character in this movie is Karen. 
The former oh, secretary. Like half a page of <laughs> Karen. She's insane. She, but she's like a lifetime queen. I'm pretty sure because I just looked at her her filmography and it had like I, I wrote a couple down. It's it's zombie at 17. We got guilty at 17. Yeah, Fugitive when you're doing and then killer mom. Yeah, like all like lifetimey names, and she's Canadian. So I was like, for sure, she's like Canadian local hire. She's like in with whoever is casting all these movies because she's in she's all a of them. staple. Yeah, yeah, especially in more recent years. I will say though that like I couldn't tell if the character was on cocaine or if like the actress herself, <laughs> but there was a lot of like weird reaching for her purse and like sort of <laughs> nervous behavior that I was like having a difficult yes. time clocking. Um but okay I wrote so this movie equals crackhead question mark in my notes. Right. I was like, and then I'm a- not sure what's happening here. And she does allude to like being like, yeah, I was on drugs when all of that was <laughs> happening. And I was like, Jesus, Karen, like what the yeah, fuck is going yeah. on over there? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, okay. This movie is obviously, if you listen to this podcast, one of my greatest fears. I am terrified of going to prison for a crime I did not commit. It's something I talk about a lot. I've, I've, mm-hmm. I try not to manifest it, but I have long been convinced it would happen to me. I just feel like I'm that kind of dumb bitch that would say <laughs> enough to like implicate myself watching this movie as someone who is painstakingly honest with people was very difficult because I could see that our, our lead character June aka Junie she was the one who put herself in a lot of the bad positions she was in by just trusting the wrong people this is true this is very true um, I, I, okay I can't deny that <laughs> So the way this movie, um, the way this movie lays out is it's a pretty clean, like suspense slash thriller type movie. I think this is such a breezy watch. I would love to watch mm-hmm. this with a sunburn and like a pina colada and just like chilling out at the house after a day at the beach. Um, so let's just get into it where we open up. We're getting a 415 F is being called in over the cop radio. And I love how, like, that could mean anything. And I'm like, oh, a 415F. Like, like, what does that mean? But so after (laughs) we hear the cop car, we're going to, I'm going to play this clip. We're going to go straight to a hospital room where Elisa, a.k.a. Junie, is explaining how she wound up there to a detective. And then we're going to cut back and forth between her exploring what happened and the hospital, or explaining what happened in the hospital room. Um. So it's going to be 16 seconds to 432. This is a possible 415F. I repeat 415F. Proceed to baby is fine. The doctors checked him out and he's fine. You'll see him soon. Now, Mrs. Baldwin, please tell me again. Start from the beginning. What happened before the motorist found you and your baby in the middle of the road? When, when I got home, 
he was on the phone with, with a woman. I didn't talk to her, but 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 I I knew that it was a woman. She's not back yet. I can't leave the kid alone here. I will get there when I get there. Where the hell have you been? We were supposed to be back an hour ago. That was her, wasn't it? It was a client. You're a liar. Okay. It was my mistress. It was my bookie. It was my male lover. It was the FBI. It was the Reader's Digest Book Club. Take your pick. The fact of the matter is, June, you're a jealous, paranoid nag. And trying to live with a bipolar woman is enough to make any man nuts. You know, I promised myself that I would give you one more chance for the sake of Sammy to be a husband and a father, to be a man. That is it, Tony. Hey, where are you going? To get Sammy. Oh, yeah? You can go. I'll even help you back. But my son, he stays here. You're a lawyer, Tony. You should know that battered wives generally get custody of their children. Nobody's gonna believe you. You're always acting so crazy. <laughs> All those pills they give you, they mess with your head. You say he hit you a lot. I never told anyone. But lately, it's, uh, it's been getting worse. You've been examined. All we found was that bruise on your arm. Could have been caused by anything. He's too smart to leave real evidence. Then what happened? My son stays with me. Yeah. No. No, now's not a good time. Junie's acting a bit crazy. it was her calling back because he went into Sammy's room so I couldn't hear but I followed him and I, I didn't care what he was saying I just wanted my baby but when he turned and saw me he blocked my way and he stood in the doorway and then he he gave me that look that that he always gave me before he hurt me. Okay. <laughs> so it's quite the setup we have here. Yeah. Um, uh, clearly, this is not the first time she's spoken to this detective about Tony, her absolute <laughs> dud of a husband. Like the casting department <laughs> got brave when they were like, yeah, everyone's going to ruin their life over this guy. Seriously, he's, thank you. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. He's short. He has a receding hairline. He is not unattractive, but like, you know, you probably wouldn't swipe right on him. 
Um, I mean, you're I certainly like, not going to risk it all for this mm-hmm. for this man. I would say. And like, also, like, not to be crazy, but like, bipolar is not that bad. Like, they're making it sound like she has some sort of. <laughs> condition that is completely unmanageable and i realized the conversation around mental health was a little bit different in 2006 but like he's like oh you take all those pills and i'm like usually that's what helps like right like so i'm so i'm treating myself like (laughs) i don't see a problem also you're like a villain he was so extra and i have actually two lines that really they really got me because he said He's like on the phone and he's like, I can't just leave my baby alone. And the the person on the phone who we don't know who it is yet, they go, oh, yeah, because you're father of the year or something like that. And I was like, I mean, it's a baby. Like, I don't but I mean, need a connection between said- being like your father of the year because you don't want to leave your baby alone. I mean, you know, it's true, but like. I, I agree. I agree. But I also don't think he's a dad who's around a lot anyway. Sure. So I it's do like, agree. Oh, I so, do agree. Yeah. so now you care about the baby? Like, I, if I was his mistress, I'd be like, really? The baby? Like, that's what we care about now? But, yeah, um, I guess that's true. Like, okay, the best part of this is that this movie was, Lifetime says on the app, this is a 2006 movie. IMDb says it's 2007. So that's always Mm -hmm. fun when no one's on the same page about when this movie was made. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's all very vintage law and order. Like the detective looks like he's taken out of vintage law and order. The hospital looks like it's from another time. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there's someone smoking a cigarette in the hallway. Sure. Like the the apartment or house that they're living in, I'm pretty sure that's like more of like an upscale apartment than it is a house. Is perfect, yeah. just TV housing. Like they have this magenta living room or this, yeah, magenta living room, and yeah. then they have that bad art, like that abstract mm-hmm. bad art on the walls. Like if you told like a middle schooler to draw like an abstract sunset, that's what. <laughs> the art would look like in the house. And apparently Um, they just have statues like laying around as well. So that's great for murder weapons. Thing of like yesteryear, like to have like a little statue in your house. I feel like maybe those exist less prominently simply because of all the murder that it could lead to. Sure. Yeah. And there everyone in this movie dresses like they're on 90210. Mm, Um So after she says that about like the look he always gave her before he hurt her, she says that this time she couldn't let him. He wasn't going to hurt her again. And he's like, well, why didn't you get out of there? And she says he would never like I would never leave my son alone with that madman. Um, She had to do something. So she hit him with a statue on the shoulder and she didn't think it was that hard. And then the detective's Mm -hmm. like, well, okay, um, you know, oh, I guess like her husband turned to her and he's like, oh, you're not that smart. And so she whacked him <laughs> again. But this time it was like in the front of his face. Yeah. Um, so at that point, we're going to find out that the detective actually says that he was like beat in the head several times with the in the back of his head with the um 
with the statue. So he thinks she's lying. But then as soon as she starts to be like, well, no, wait, he then dials it back and he's like, okay, let's hear her story again. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he asks her if her husband was alive the last time she saw him. And she realizes essentially that all of this is adding up to the fact that her husband is dead. And she is shocked by this. Um, But still, she winds up in prison. Um, And basically, she's ready to plea to a 12-year deal. Um, She's not going to try and go through with the trial because if they convict her, she could get 25 to life or, you know, like a much more serious charge. I always say that's just the way to go. Just plea like guilty, like just get it over with, you know, and she's very smart. Yes. And she's very smart. Like her son will be grown by the time she's out. and She cares about her son. Yeah. And you can't More than anything like defense. She has no defense really because the defense is just like, yes, I did hit him with the statue, but I wasn't the one who hit him in the back of the head with the statue. Like it's not believable. So I thought that was really smart. Yeah. Choice. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. So yeah. then we see like the person she's talking to about, you know, sort of giving into this sentence is someone named Claire. And at first we're yeah. like, you know, who is this? And Claire's like, don't worry, I'm going to take good care of your son. And I wrote my notes like, no offense, but who cares, Claire? Like, because I didn't know who she was to her. And like, I would find no comfort in that. If I was in jail and someone was like, don't worry, I'll take care of your son. I'd be like, please, like, absolutely. You will never love him the way that I would. It took me so long to know who she was to her. Like, probably, I think too long. I truly was like, "Who? but who are you? Like, why are you always putting your two cents in? Right. We were like a half an hour into this movie before I I understood who she was to this character because they don't, they are sisters, spoiler alert, but they do not look related (laughs) at all. In any way. No. And they don't seem to have any type of rapport that is like familial to me. It seemed like they were friends or like they knew each other, but it wasn't like an intimate, like it wasn't like a close relationship from what I could see. But obviously, it wasn't in general. Yeah, it's like when things get tough and then someone you never expected starts showing up for you, you Mm -hmm. have to ask yourself some questions. Like, are they a benevolent friend or is there like (laughs) a a deeper interest here? So we see that it's eight years later now. um, And she Mm -hmm. walks out of prison looking incredible. Like, I truly, I was like, her hair is popping. The red was popping. I don't know if she had like Kool Aid dye. I've seen that online where they just like, dye their hair with Kool-Aid because it was so red when she walked out of that prison. Oh, it was Clairol box dye red. (laughs) Are you, um, are you a TikTok person? No, that's, (laughs) that's so funny because that's why I I messaged you on Instagram about that TikTok because I actually like went to Google and like tried to Google the TikTok, which is a whole trick. I don't know what uh, century I'm from but yes no I'm not I'm not good on TikTok but I've seen like a lot of TikToks on Instagram and my friends send them to me they're so funny there but is- I can't like get the hang of it <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't recommend downloading the app if you <laughs> I got sucked in at the beginning of quarantine because I just was like, I yeah. need I need more. Like I need <laughs> to hit I need a hit of something because at the beginning of this I was so just I I was paralyzed. Like I'd wake yeah, up every yeah. day 
And but I couldn't go further than that. Like I couldn't tell you what I did from like dawn to dusk. If you asked me how I spent my day, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> but the the hours were passing by and I and I think I spent a lot of it on TikTok, but there's like a whole prison TikTok situation. Wait, I saw this or- on your Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. So like, not only are there people in prison who have cell phones, which by the way, if you don't know that that happens, grow the fuck up. Of course they have cell phones in prison. Like, come on. It's called your corrections officer and you have a deal. But, um, there's also like people like one thing I saw was like a young girl who, whether she knew it or not, was making a jail spread. And like, she was like, here's my favorite way to cook ramen. And she was doing <laughs> like, you making a, essentially something that you would only knew if you've done, if you've lived in prison. And like everyone in the sure. comments was like, LOL, my dad taught me how to make that too. <laughs> she had no idea that she was making ramen the prison way. I really enjoy prison TikTok, especially just like, I lo- watch a lot of former prisoners on YouTube because I'm mm-hmm. just like, give me, tell me about life on the inside. Like, like, yeah. I just want to know. So um, she walks out of prison again, looking chic, amazing as fuck. Um, mm-hmm. She's obviously very overwhelmed. Um, and she, Claire is there to pick her up. And right. um, she explains that Sammy is having fun with Billy. Uh, we don't, still don't know who Billy is and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't wait to see his mom when he comes home. Right now, they're in San Francisco. Um, you know, on some sort of school trip. And she tells June to just relax that everything is going to be fine. So they go on this drive. Um, she, apparently she was let out a week early and this was sort of a surprise. Um, but yeah. she didn't tell Claire because she didn't want Sammy to miss his trip to San Francisco. At the very beginning, we're setting up that she's a great mom and that mm-hmm. everything that she's done is for her son. Yeah, yeah. And thank God, though, because like they managed to do this in a way that we didn't have to have a lot of screen time with a child actor. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's rough. We just did the JonBenet movie last week, and it was the one where they have her doing the voiceovers being like, someone killed me, but I don't know who. And Uh it was awful, not just because like, you know. It's creepy, but because like who wants to see a child actor like that? Um, Yes. So anyway. They go to this diner type place to get her first meal. And it was kind of unceremonious considering like I've seen teen mom and I saw how much her first meal meant out to Amber. (laughs) um, She's been dreaming of this hamburger. Claire has gotten her a phone and some other things she'll need to assimilate Mm -hmm. to her new life. And then an alarm goes off and we find out how June's we get a little bipolar update, um, which Mm -hmm. is exciting. So let's play 1138 to 1350. This is a great phone, Claire. Thank you. You've thought of everything. I have been fantasizing about this burger. (laughs) What's that? Mm -hmm. How's that proline working? Mm -hmm. I finally found the right dosage. Oh, boy, does it work. <laughs> when I go off it for even a day, I can tell the difference. Bipolar for life. So that job I was telling you about. Mm. For your friend's company? Mm. Well, he's out of the country right now, so it can't start for a couple of weeks, and it's part-time. That's okay. Thank you, Claire. There's something that I really need to do before I get settled anyway. Sounds important. 
I have spent hours going through my case file. And in the beginning, I was just so depressed and down on myself that I believed that maybe I really did kill Tony and I just couldn't remember. But you were frightened for your life. Anybody would But, but, but then, somewhere along the line, the fog lifted and every moment from that night became crystal clear. I only hit Tony twice. Two times. And then I, I stepped over him, I grabbed Sammy, and I ran. Tony lunged for my ankle. Claire, when I left Tony, he was alive. So if what you're saying is true, then someone else, the real murderer, came in. The front door was wide open. But Junie, why would anybody do that? Well, that's what I have to find out. I think if I were you, I would just put all this behind me and start fresh. I have to prove my innocence. I can't let Sammy live his life believing that his mother murdered his father. But it's been eight years. I mean, how are you going to prove that you're innocent now? I don't know exactly. But I'm going to figure out what happened that night, and I'm going to find out who wanted Tony dead. And I'm going to start right away. All right. Bipolar for life. Um, <laughs> I loved that little <laughs> that was wonderful human moment that she had in the midst of all this like script. Okay. I have to ask you, I am a person who lacks discretion in my day-to-day life. I feel for the most part, I've gotten better about it as I've gotten older and seen how many things have been used against me. But <laughs> I am someone who is to a fault overly open. And when I watch this, I'm like, oh, Junie, 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 honey, you don't need to say any of that to her. You don't yeah. need to tell her your mental health. You don't need to tell her what your all your pills, what that's about. You don't have to tell her your plans, the, the things you, your private thoughts you've had in prison. I mean, right. ha- I have to ask. Oh, she you, tells it all. How do you shut the fuck up, though? Like, if you had... <laughs> <laughs> She if truly, you I mean, nothing. I don't think there's one thing she didn't mention. No, in this she whole said time. It she just she's like every day in this movie, she's like, I really need to like wake up, brush my teeth, and then update Claire on every single detail that yeah. is going on. And Man. she was she made a, a comment about the about the dosage and like how hard it was to get right at this moment, which I just want to like note given some stuff that happens later she's just the whole narrative around her her mental illness i find to be like the biggest crack in this movie like it doesn't make any sense well because it's also a little bit and like this is by no means advice or anything that i would suggest to anyone like when she says i can feel it the next day when i've gone off of it like that's also a little placebo effect and like we have to really look at the amount of time that this movie takes place over it's really only three weeks or so yeah she gets out of jail because i realized claire sets it up as saying like oh my friend who's gonna hire you he's out of the country for the next three weeks and by the time this movie is over i did not catch that uh, yeah i had to think (laughs) about it after the timeline yeah but it's not very long at all and um 
in my notes after that scene, I said, I'm putting in my early bets that this was Claire. Claire killed him. Um, Ooh, but okay. still, nice. we do not know who Claire is to her. We have no idea <laughs> right. what their relationship is. So then they drive up to a house that when you look at it, you're not like, is that a mansion? You're like, oh, that's a mansion. Truly, yeah. Beautiful, like Philadelphia suburbs mansion. Mm-hmm. And June is blown away when she sees it because she was not aware that Claire was balling like this. Uh, (laughs) And she says, you know, oh, my husband's done very well. And June is like, well, maybe I should be an investment banker. And I'm like, oh, sweet June. Like, that's not going to happen. It's Um, not going to happen. You're a felon. You're a felon. Yeah, that's what happens. That's the bad. That's the downside of pleading guilty to a crime you didn't commit. You're carrying that felon title. But um, we see uh, June get introduced to Megan, the housekeeper, which is an iconic name for a housekeeper. (laughs) I thought that, too. Also, I was like, I was like, is this a cameo? They were the the way they were like focusing on her and cutting to her was so so strange to me it seemed like they were like she's the key to to the whole thing totally like kept focusing on her and i was like i don't get it is she's the biggest like red herring in this movie she's all we have to like go against like just following like the linear storytelling because for some reason the camera cannot break away from miss megan they love her and megan you're right like that's not a real like this woman can't be named Megan. I just really don't think that it's possible. She cannot. She is probably like um a woman in her 60s. She yes. is a white lady who looks like she could be Claire's mom. She yeah. is also seems to be on sort of the same economic status as that. Yes, like, like she I agree with that. She's rolling up in like nice sweaters and a turtleneck, which, by the way, doesn't mean that you can't do your job with dignity when you're a housekeeper. My mom was a cleaning lady, but like she didn't wear her nice clothes to go clean houses. But also Claire comes in and she's like, I'm sorry we were late. She like apologizes to Megan. I'm like, whoa, who's in charge? I don't know. Right. I wonder if we were just I feel like Megan is an authority figure in this household. I think it's because she made lasagna. I really think she that did, it, yeah. that She's was like, I've been waiting for you with this lasagna, but it was too long. So I left. You it know what I hate about a family like this, like a Claire and her husband, Jason thing. You have all this money and all of this land and you don't have one fucking pet. That's true. I didn't even think of that. That's true. Like, Get a cat, get a golden retriever. It doesn't need to be the focus of the movie. Just like for one day, like have a little yeah. Labrador running around in the background because you know they're bad people once once you see they have this land and no animals. Yeah, that's actually true because it's like, well, yeah, you just like don't love anything. But Jason does seem like a little bitch who like got bit by a <laughs> Yorkie when he was five and like hates dogs. True, true. So speaking of Jason, that is Claire's husband. Um, And June is thinking about staying up late so she can thank him for letting her stay. And and Claire's very like, oh, don't worry about it. Anything that June says, especially in the beginning, Claire has a reason why it her thought is invalid. So there's like, I'm going out to get drinks. And June's like, okay, I might wait up to say thank you to Jason. And Claire's like, oh, well, Jason's out of town. So like, 
anything that she thinks she's going to self-start on her own, Claire is mm-hmm. a reason why. Um, Claire asks her what she thinks of the room she's going to be staying in. And it's great. Um, I will say that the bedroom reminded me of like, you know, when you go on Prices Right and they're like, you get a new furniture yeah. for a room. Like, it's <laughs> like the expensive version of what they'd give away on the Prices Right. Like there was a beautiful chest at the end of the bed that looks yeah. like it was like worth something i would say that four poster bed probably wasn't cheap but like it's also not classic enough that you would like carry it down it's so it was like a weird use of money i thought um yeah but anyway so she you know looks at her room of course she wants to go shower at this point i'm thinking like yeah i mean that's definitely someone who cares about you is picking you up from prison but like it wasn't like okay let's get a meal in you okay let's get mm-hmm. you home to shower okay because that would be my thing if yeah. i went to go pick up a friend from prison i'm like let me like acclimate you to creature comforts all over again um yeah. so june says she wants to go take a shower and claire does a little turn down service for her and once she knows that she is in the clear she helps herself to June's medication, which again, June put some boundaries up. You don't have to put that out on the, I would keep that in my purse. Um, mm-hmm. and, the, and the second she has the chance, Claire takes her medication and she replaces all the pills in the bottle with some other type of pill that happens to match it. An exact, uh, yeah, an exact replica looking pill, which I was confused about where, like, did she just have every type of medication that was bipolar that was to treat bipolar disorder in her purse. Cause she just asked her at the diner. I mean, I wondered if that was like a thing where she, I mean, what can you do? Can you call the prison and be like, Hey, I'm coming to pick up a prisoner tomorrow. What meds are they on? But it was a a very particular capsule. Like I feel like they should have just gotten like a generic white pill. And then it would have been a little less, it just was so weird to me because I was like, "You, how did you have that exact this replica pill? Maroon and gold cap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay. Um, Claire uh, heads out for the evening and June, you know, goes to her room. She takes her medication. And then we cut to Claire talking to some guy named Nick who can't believe that June is going to try and prove that she uh, wasn't there the night her husband was killed. So mm-hmm. we set up right away. Claire keep some secrets from June and she's a part of it. And she's with this guy, Nick, who's younger. He's handsome. Um, I guess not my type. He's like, (laughs) I can't agree with that, but I do agree that he, that is the intent. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) I don't, I have never been into blonde men. I'm just very questioning of them in general. So (laughs) there's that. Um, but that house that they're in as well is rich as fuck. Um, and Claire's just yeah. sort of leaning against this armchair, sipping red wine, going through all of this. And he says, we're fucked, basically. Our whole yeah. plan hinges on the fact that people believe she killed her husband. And Claire tells them that it's a big deal, but they can handle it. They just have to stay on top of her and make sure that she spins her wheels. Basically, mm-hmm. I've swapped out the meds. Tomorrow should be interesting. Um, so now we see um, her son, Sammy, is in San Francisco, and he gives his mom a call at Claire's house from his cell phone. I would say in 2006, it w- it's insane for a child to have a flip phone, yeah. like a nine-year-old. Um, yeah. I, I went to college that year, and so that's when I got my first phone. And even then, like, not everyone at school had them. So yeah. June 
runs to go uh, get the phone from Claire. She's so excited to talk to her son. And Sammy's very happy to talk to his mom, too. They sort of pick up that day as if they've never left off. And like they've had these sort of very present conversations the entire Mm -hmm. time she was in prison, which I love that. Like, good for you, June. Like, keeping up that relationship. So um, apparently they're going to L.A., that day to go to Disney and then they're going to see the Queen Mary and he has a lot of information about the Queen Mary. Um, and she, you know, she says, I love you. I'll see you when you're home. So then Jason comes down and it's his birthday and Jason looks like he would be a detective on like a D list law and order type show. Yeah. Uh, he was so familiar to me, but I looked at, I looked at his IMDb and I could not like figure out why he just looked so, I feel like he just has like that face, but he was just like an angry old man. His the name whole is time. Perry King. Okay. Yeah. Perry King. He's from Alliance, Ohio. Never heard of it, but it sounds great. He yeah. does seem to be from another era. Um, yeah. for sure. He played Congressman Clark Paley on um, Big Love, if you were into you that know what? show. And I wrote Big Love. I loved that show. I did watch it, but I don't like specifically remember him on it. But maybe I just saw his, like I recognized his face from that. But I really like it. Got a little, it got sorted a little bit towards the end. Yeah. And then uh, Spin City. If you guys are of an age where you watch Spin City, um, he was on that show too. Um, which, by the way, was like a huge show for something I don't think of often. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it's his birthday that day. And June thanks him for letting her stay there. And he really doesn't seem thrilled about this at all. This is something his wife has definitely got him on board with. Um, mm-hmm. And Claire forgot to mention to June that that night they're having a dinner party for his birthday. It's just 15 guests or so. And yeah. June is nervous. I mean, come on, you get out of prison after eight years and the next night you're going to like a high class dinner party, like way yeah. to set someone up for failure. Yeah. Um, Claire the whole time was just like the whole time she like, right when she got out of prison, she'd be like, Oh, I forgot to tell you this. And it's like, well, can you tell me like, why did you, why did you not tell me that? That's a huge thing. You're going to like a fancy sit down dinner. Yeah. With all of these like conservative people and my husband the day after you get out of prison. I I would say it's similar to like inviting someone to a music festival the day after their mom's funeral. Like it's just right. like, it's a, lot, it's a lot to ask someone to go from that to that. Yeah. Um, so she says that her friend Charlie is actually on her way and they're going to go see Karen Smith. Does she remember Karen Smith? That's Tony, your ex-husband's old secretary. And the music swells and Claire gives June an absolute death stare. And then June elaborates. She says she always thought Karen knew more than she did. And she thinks that she'll be a great resource for her. So again, Mm -hmm. like, shut the fuck up, June. But sweetheart, like, you don't even know. It's not your fault. Claire wants to know, like, who Charlie is. And June explains, it's my friend from prison. And I wish that that was the story we got. I was thinking this whole yeah. time, like, what did Charlie and June, like, bond over? Like, how did Charlie... And I was wondering why Charlie Charlie was in jail. Oh, same. In the I first mean, place. I also always question, because, like, everyone in prison is innocent, right? Like, so I... Yeah. I always thought, like, okay... 
you know, you have to really, when you're in there, you have to really pick and choose who you believe. And I think June is sort of like a a sweet dummy. So like, you probably would believe that she didn't really kill her husband, but like, you Mm -hmm. know, you can't really carry all those friendships out into the real world. So they must've had a very special bond. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, so this was, I still at this point didn't realize that this was her sister because she, when she was like, who's, Charlie I was like well, what she was acting like she would know every single person that June knew and I was well, like no. well, why do you know but then right well, after that is when I re- realized that she they were sisters we're still in the dark about their <laughs> like, for sure yes. um it seems almost like she could either be like an older cousin who yeah. you don't keep up much or a friend who has something on her which I guess mm, is yes. sister in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have a sister, but I always assumed it would be something like this. So Jason <laughs> is like right away negging it. And he is like, oh, great. A friend from prison. Are we planning a crime spree? So like that's Jason's attitude is like, yeah, yeah. he'll let a prisoner or a former prisoner live with him. But he's not going to make it easy on her at any point. Mm-hmm. So Megan, the maid, is overhearing this, but she tries not to look too interested. But, of course, we get, like, this shot of her sort of just, like, peeping over her shoulder, letting everyone know that she's listening. Right. So Claire says, um, you know, if you want to prove your innocence, like, you're actually very vulnerable right now. Um And in a lot of ways, she, like, plays both sides. She'll tell, like, you know, her husband that Tony abused June and she's not some sort of cold-blooded murderer, but she's also Mm -hmm. afraid to let her advocate for herself. Um, And they overall just decide, okay, we're not going to argue on Jason's birthday. Um, So (laughs) this sort of, like, crappy-ish car pulls up. I think it's, like, a pretty standard most americans have had this car at some point it's like a honda or something and um she rings the doorbell june answers it and charlie is there she can't believe that this is the house that she's living in now Mm -hmm. um june introduces her to jason her brother-in-law and he doesn't even really muster a hello just a little nod and so when she says my brother-in-law finally i'm like oh that's how they all know each other yeah yeah that was when i i was like what they didn't want us to know. Um, they, they did not. But then from there, uh, Charlie drives her to Karen's place. And mm. um, she tracked her down for June and tells her that Karen apparently lost her job a week ago. And I'm kind of loving that Charlie knows that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think Charlie's just... See, that's why I sort of think like Charlie was in for some like white collar shit or something. Or like yeah. something adjacent. Because she is... Char- oh God, sorry. Charlie's very smart. Um, and she yeah. seems to just have a full awareness of everything that's going on. So she pulls over. And she's very ride or die for June, which I appreciate. I feel like she was just like in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's why she's Can I tell it. you, you know what? I think I have I'm a little bit blind to her acting because I appreciated <laughs> the idea of Charlie so much. I was so thankful yeah. that June had a friend like that. Um yes. but- and I will say her defense she didn't have much to she was just like giving information the whole time she didn't get like a lot of chances to really showcase her acting so yeah i I will say that (laughs) it was like a strange moment where they like cut from the pov of any of the main characters and they go Mm -hmm. into a clip inside of karen's house um 
And Karen, this is when I, as a viewer who looks closely at these things sometimes, was like, okay, either this character is on coke and we don't know about it or the actual actress. Not, I'm not implicating anyone, but that's just how it seemed. Um, because it's just, she's very flustered and she's getting ready for something. Um, and then we're going to see June knock on her door. Let's play this clip 2140 to 2508. Great. Who is it? Hi, Karen. Do you remember me? June? Uh, what am I doing here, right? Um, I can't see you now. I, just a few minutes of your time, that's all I ask. No, you don't understand. I've got a job interview in less than an hour. Please. Okay. Thank you. The house is a mess. Ugh. You should have seen my place the last eight years. Karen, I don't know what you think of me. I'm sure that it's not good. But that is not why I came here to see you today. I came here to ask you... If you can accept the possibility that someone else killed Tony, can you do that? Yeah. Good. Thank you. It's no secret that Tony was cheating on me. What I need to know is how much and with whom. That was a long time ago. It's important, Karen. I never approved. <clears throat> you thought it was none of your business? I, I understand. I needed the job. Did you ever meet any of them? No, I just made the reservations and paid the credit card bills. You never mentioned any of this to the police. Why? I was afraid. Of what? Getting involved. But you were involved. I figured that's why you killed them, all the women. I thought if I told the police, it would make things worse for you. I need to get going. These women, can you think of any one of them that would have had a reason to kill Tony? All of them, probably. Where did he take them? I don't remember. Okay, then, then, then where did he take you? He didn't take me anywhere. Look. I told you, I have an interview. Please go. Yeah. I just lost my job. I don't want any trouble. There won't be any trouble if you just tell me the truth. Where did he take you? Why do you need to know that? I promise. This will stay between us. Just please tell me what happened between the two of you. 
Today's show is brought to you by one of my favorite sponsors, the mobile puzzle game Best Fiends. You know how it goes. You're in the middle of working on something and you want to reach for your phone and take a little break. So you go on social media, check the news, and next thing you know, you've wasted an hour of your life consuming absolute trash. It's not inspiring, it doesn't feel like a break, and you definitely don't feel satisfied when you log off. So when I pick up my phone for a little mental cleanse these days, I pull up Best Fiends. It's a foolproof way to cure boredom, and you can play for as little or as long as you want. No drama, no hope in the world lost. It's fun and colorful and easy to understand, but challenging enough that it doesn't feel mindless. In this game, your enemies are slugs and your squad are cute little bug characters with special skills that you collect along the way. You evolve the characters with the prizes you win at the end of each level so they get stronger and better at helping you beat the slugs. Not only are there thousands of levels and best fiends, but the game updates monthly with new themes and new challenges that are cute nods to current seasons and holidays. One of the most convenient parts of best fiends is that you don't need to be on Wi-Fi to play, so it's there for you literally whenever. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Are you a fan of Real Housewives? I am not i guess i should say i don't know i don't have enough information to speak on (laughs) to speak on them okay i will just say for anyone at home who's like a real housewives head which i'm actually oddly like not really a current real housewives person but Mm -hmm. karen looks exactly like if carol radzewell and lisa rinna were the same person like she does have like lisa rinna vibes look looks wise she has like something yeah well, it's the lip implant. Person, but... Do you want me to just tell you what it's the lip implant? Like, and well, it's a I very know. dated procedure. If I had to guess, I mean, maybe she just yeah. naturally has really voluptuous lips that don't move. But I will say that, like, there's a very specific quality that's going on there in her face. And she's a beautiful woman, by the way. Like, when I was just rewatching mm-hmm. this right now, I was like, she's actually like stunning. Um, yeah. I do think, yeah, I think the lips are a bit much. And she had that, like, very pink lipstick, which I'm not even sure if that is of the time. It seems like even way, it seemed dated even for this time. But maybe you can tell me. There's a lot of people wearing the same pink lipstick throughout this movie that is so pink. I feel like my tacky ass would have worn that in college, but like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I just always like did what my mom did. Like, I was Mm. one of those girls where I was like, oh yeah, that like works on my mom. So I'll do it. Um, but, um, yeah. So uh, she like, okay. The thing with Karen is like, there's a lot of like neck grabbing. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of whispering for no reason. I have to say, I was thinking about it. And I feel like Karen's a very specific person and that like she would go into your bathroom at a party and she would take 
not just your shampoo samples that you took from <laughs> hotels, but like specifically she would take the nice ones, like from the Four Seasons, mm-hmm. from the Ace. She would steal specifically small branded bottles of shampoo from your bathroom at a party. I like that. never trust her. She wouldn't yeah. fuck her husband. She would like fuck your brother-in-law. Like she's very <sighs> like kind of like a sub, she's a sneaker. Like she's off brand. Yeah. She's really. Also, she was like looking around in her own home. Like, I feel like she, the actress was like, okay, like you're talking about something that's like suspicious. So act suspicious, but like in your house, why are you looking around? Is someone in, is someone else in your house? Like it was so, it was just so bizarre. And I couldn't even really focus on what was being said, except for um, towards the end, because she was just doing so much. She was thinking about the gram of coke in her purse. Like if you had to, if you True, had to, she was, trying to, get it. She was yeah, trying to get that. Yeah. You're so like, right. How do I, like, is it cool if I break out a key right now? Like, is this chick going to yeah. judge me? And can we speak about June's grace? Like literally Karen <laughs> is sitting there being like, Oh yeah, I actually was sleeping with your husband. June's like, I know. Like I've had. Whoa. Eight that line. About me. it. She's, she, they went through all that like preamble. And then she's like, yeah, like I did sleep with your husband. She said, I know. What? <laughs> and when, Karen's like, when Karen's like, Oh, my place is a mess. June's like, you should see where I was living for the last eight years. I was Ooh. like, yeah, that's right. That Karen, take. <laughs> you sit with that Karen. Like, you know what you did here. Um, also, Karen's so- house is huge as well. I feel like every person in this house, in this movie has like a huge house. Yeah, it's like, so like a, a crackhead. Um, I mean, not. I shouldn't keep saying that she's a crackhead, but she's weird. She's she's on something for sure. I mean, the character is for sure, and you know, uh, we don't. I mean, we'll never know the depths of Karen, but I think that <laughs> she is like a. We're gonna play a clip with like a little bit more in a moment. This is a rare moment where we're gonna cut to a clip like thirty seconds after this, but I'm just mm-hmm. gonna explain here. We're gonna see um Claire and Jason at their house, and Nick has arrived and Nick is like a totally off the record boyfriend. Jason has no competition with him as far as Jason's concerned. This is the guy mm-hmm. that like is their landscape architect, and like he likes to come by and sort of oversee the procedure with his um employees that work for him like the people mm-hmm. that do the front work and so they I also just felt like him. nick was biologically related to jason they yes were very similar it was like really they are weird. on my screen right now and they <laughs> really do look like not father and son well maybe if the mom was like a total unexpected person <laughs> but they definitely look like cousins or uncle yeah uncle and nephew sort of thing so that's the other thing about nick too is i'm looking at him facially at a different angle and he's very boyish in some ways mm-hmm. he has like, sort of like an owen wilson quality to him Ooh, yeah yeah um so they're hiring nick they're gonna extend his work not only did he do the front yard but now they're gonna do the backyard too um mm-hmm. and then we cut back to karen and june having their conversation and june is really trying to process what karen is telling her let's play twenty five forty seven to 27 29 okay so so that was it you you went out with him a few times and then it ended six months before he died it was a terrible time for me june I was doing drugs. I attempted suicide. It was a mess. Tony would listen to me. And 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 
during these nights, would you would you always go to the same place for 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 drinks or dinner? Not always, but we went to restaurants in the suburbs a couple of times. Riverside Heights, maybe. I can't remember. But Tony was real friendly with the bartender. If you come back tomorrow, we can go and try to find a place. Okay, but, but the bartender, what was his name? Craig? Or no, I think it was Greg. Um, why is that important? Because if I can find out who else Tony was sleeping with, then maybe I can find out who killed him. A, a jilted lover, uh, a, a jealous husband, it, it's a starting point. So who, who, who did he sleep with after you? I don't know. He kind of kept that information from me. I really need to go. No, five more minutes. No, I can't. I'm sorry. I really need this job. So if I came by tomorrow morning at, say, 10, we could go to Riverside Heights? Did you see a beige handbag? Damn, my keys are in there. So, Karen, tomorrow? Yeah, 10. That's fine. I mean, that's drugs. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, the subtext, maybe that says something about me, but I'm looking at that and thinking drugs. Like there's fixation on the purse. There's a lot of breathiness. The way she was talking was so quiet. And I have to say, I do appreciate the nuance of like, you know, not being a theater actress and being more used to being on camera and knowing that you mm. can be more quiet and demure. And, but mm. like the two of them playing against each other is really, they, they're in different movies in this scene. Unless totally. we're so suspicious of Karen. Um, so then June gets home to Claire's house and she tells her that she knew all about Tony's affairs. And tomorrow they're going to go to Riverside Heights to get in touch with a bartender. And mm-hmm. Claire says that she just needs to make a quick call. But then she and June can talk about everything. So then Claire calls Nick and says that Karen is running her big mouth. And if they want to share their fortune with her, they're going to have to get her to shut. If they don't want to have to share their fortune with her, they're going to have to get her to shut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these two are in it for the money. Um, yeah. And she wants him to take care of it. And he says that wasn't a part of the plan, but she says it is now. And a lot of these things are going to come up and, you know, and we never find out really if Claire and Nick ever had a genuine connection. It seems to me from this moment on, I was like, Oh, Nick, you're so dumb. Like you must know she's not going to end up with the gardener. Right. Like right. this and you're and by the way, if she does, like you will get shot on your first like week of your Mexican vacation. Like you totally. are yeah. you're not gonna last. She just needs to find someone else. So yeah. all of the guests pull up to this party. It's being held at like a sort of private club or restaurant type thing. Um and mm-hmm. Juna what her friends know about her, but she's like, Oh no, they're mostly new friends and people from Jason's work. Mm-hmm. Um which I thought was weird because I was like, well, tell me about your old life, Claire. Like, what happened to all those yeah. old ones? Um, oh, yeah. So at dinner, Claire gives a toast to her handsome husband and Jason thanks everyone for coming. Um, and then we cut back to Karen at her place that night. She's getting ready for bed. She's sort of just like channel surfing and like zoning in her kitchen area, like getting some water, tea or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to dinner where they're talking about one of their friends are asking him about his campaign for public office. Mm-hmm. And he says that for him, like the big issue is pushing the three strikes you're outlaw. 
and he wants to plug all, like he wants to basically plug all the loopholes in the current law. Anyone who commits three felonies, any three, they go to jail for 25 to life. And then one of the wives is like, well, you know, they should make the jails a lot less like country clubs. And June speaks up because Mm -hmm. she can speak to this experience. And she's like, actually, prison is not like a country club at all. And the woman shoots back something like, yeah, well, when people do something wrong, they should be punished. Um, I like (laughs) you can always tell when people (laughs) make that argument have never had a personal freedom taken from them. This whole scene made me so angry because I was like, first of all, this is the beginning of them like gaslighting June and acting like she's insane, even though she literally is just like making an argument that makes sense. Like you said, she speaks to this because she just came from jail. But also it's the three strikes rule to say that you want to like plug every loophole and any person who commits three felonies should get life in prison. I mean, not to like get... (laughs) heavy right now but that's so problematic and no get heavy it's fine like literally that just disproportionately affects black people you put people in jail for like selling weed three times for life why also that costs so much do you know how much money that costs to put someone in jail for life because they stole or like did a robbery or did you know whatever it is It's just so crazy. And then the lady being like, it's a country club to go to jail. Like, ma'am, according to who? You just made that up. Jail is so expensive. Jail is so expensive. And like, you know, also, like, you know, June points out like, okay, but like, you have to really like, look at what the felony is. Like, any felonies don't equal a life sentence. Because let's be real, the range of what a felony is, it could be anything. Like, given state by state, like, you could break an expensive lamp in some states, and that's a felony. Literally, 100%. Yeah. So, Jason says, you know, numbers don't lie, and habitual criminals don't belong with us. And Maggie, you know, says, if you have two felonies on the record, you've likely committed more and gotten away with them. So, whatever the third one is, you do, you deserve to rot in jail. And like June is sitting there, an innocent woman who's never hurt anyone in her life except briefly her abusive mm-hmm. husband. And she raises her voice and says, that's absolutely ridiculous. And Jason, you know, he really wants to change the subject because he's very uncomfortable by this discourse. Yeah. And June says that she's really not feeling well and she excuses herself. So Claire follows her. Um, and then we cut back to Karen's place and she's making a cup of tea and watching some TV, just completely unaware that Nick is now in the other room at her place. Yes. So um, we cut back to June in the bathroom and she's trying to just soothe herself. So she's trying to break into her medication, but she's having a hard time getting past the parental controls on the bottle. (laughs) Like Claire comes in and she's like, are you okay? And she's like, I, you know, I can't stand these people. They're so smug. And Claire tells her that she knows, but she needs to be more careful around Jason and his friends. And June's like, you're right. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I apologize. I think I should just go home. And Claire tries to get her to stay, but she's like, no, I'm taking a cab. I'm leaving. And I'm like, good for you, June. Like, don't yeah. look like weird, racist bullies. Like these <laughs> like- weird people, like tell you about your life. Like go home, yeah. go to bed, take care of yourself. This is your second night not in jail in eight years exactly like i'd be considering that she just came from prison yesterday i thought that her reaction was completely calm like if you don't want to hear i I just thought like bringing up that topic and then 
she just had a different opinion based on experience. She didn't like pop off. Like, I just didn't understand why they were acting like that. She just was like, I'm going to go home because like, I can't be in this situation, which was totally responsible. You can tell June was like such a sweetie in jail. Like she was just yes. trying to diffuse everything. Like she's a diffuser. So mm-hmm. um, Karen is channel surfing and Nick comes up behind her with gloves and uh, a rope and he strangles her that we've seen this classic behind the behind the neck, like rope move. In yes. so many movies, just during the last like five movies. So Jason tells True. her um, at home that June's behavior, he tells Claire at home, her, June's behavior was an embarrassment and he's never taking her anywhere again. And Claire says that June wasn't ready yet and she tried to apologize. I think that June should be in bed for like the next month, like eating good food, watching TV, like catching up on yeah. what's happened in the world for the last eight years. Um, yes. You know, yes. like, just ch- you just chill out, like, put on a nice bathrobe and chill. So he says, you know, do you really believe that June didn't kill Tony? And Claire says that she believes that she thinks she didn't. He's, you know, and he says he's kind of uncomfortable knowing that he's living in a halfway house for killers, Um, which, yes, Wild. that's you laugh, but that's not okay. Um, <laughs> I like that he went there. I was like, that is what you would think. You would think you're living in a halfway <laughs> You go to halfway house. Um, so June uh, hears the TV in Karen's house when she goes to her house the next day. Charlie drove her over there and she's not answering her door. And sweet little June, she puts herself in the terrible position of deciding to open up that door. I mean, look, I was like, June's trying to catch another felony right now. Like you cannot enter this I mean, woman's house. How many times are they going to get June? Like, she's just so, she's too sweet. Like, she doesn't know. Like, you don't enter someone's home, especially if the TV is going. And who knows, honey, it's Karen. Okay. She's probably like been awake for two days. There's probably nail polish spilled all over the carpet. Like, it's it's a nightmare (laughs) in there. So she goes in and she announces herself several times, you know, trying to say like, she's like, Karen, remember me? It's June. I said I would come over today and we'd go to the bar in Riverside. So um, she starts to make her way towards the back of the house and sees that the garage is open. So she opens the door to the garage and she finds Karen hanging there, which I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess go Nick. Like, I'm surprised that you could pull that off, Nick. Like, I didn't see you True. having that brute strength to do that. But um, mm-hmm. we're going to cut to his house, 3545 to 3635. You happy now, Claire? You did a very, very good job. Mm. Mm. It was only a matter of time before crazy Karen did it to herself anyway. (laughs) Last night was perfect. June completely lost it in front of everyone, and Jason was so upset he just wanted to crawl (laughs) under the table and hide. (laughs) (laughs) Not much longer. Only just you and me. Enough money to live happily ever after. Very, very... Oh, I hate those like breathy lifetime kisses. I hate mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. 
there's nothing it brings me back to being a child and just being like so embarrassed watching a movie with my mom on tv yeah um does claire remind you of Lori laughlin in some way Ooh, i could see that i feel like she's like slightly edgier like she can go a little deeper than that but but i i definitely could see that Totally. It's like the light eyes and like yeah. the darker hair. She has that sort of vibe, but yes, definitely I more. She was so I think she's so pretty. I think she like looks great in this movie. Gorgeous. So mm-hmm. um, June is in her room that night when Claire walks in and she asks her if she wants to come down for dinner, but she says that she's not really hungry. And Claire tells her she knows she's upset about Karen, but it she has to eat. And June says, you know, I feel really strange. Maybe I should be taking two pills instead of one. And then her phone rings. It's Charlie. And she tells her mm-hmm. to hold on to her hat because she just got off the phone with a PI and she's got some news. June will love. Okay, so this is the thing. She says, hold on to your hat. And for some reason, it's so organic coming out of this actress's mouth. Like, I wasn't even <laughs> questioning it till I thought about <laughs> that dialogue on the page. So she yeah. really that um so she found out from her friend that she's got this pi in in mm-hmm. her her rolodex her name's diane DeSalvo, and she tells her that she's gonna see them uh they're gonna go see her tomorrow at noon so yeah. then june hangs up and goes oh i got a pi through charlie she's gonna help me solve the case and claire's like well what's the pi's name and she goes it's diane DeSalvo." so she <laughs> is giving her all the keys to the store and claire says that from what she's heard pis tend to be expensive and shady and she's like oh no i only need to come up with 500 bucks and of course jason hears the tail end of this and he's like well what do you need 500 dollars for um and then you know he sort of leaves without really giving too much of a hassle but yeah like of course claire agrees to lend her the money and to keep it from jason because it's what she needs for her and sammy mm-hmm. so Then June is looking through a bunch of old papers in her bed trying to find something, but her brain is so scrambled. It seems like she's having a hard time, like keeping up with what she's seeing um, on the page. She doesn't seem like she can track. And trust me, I've been there. So Charlie and June then drive to see the private investigator the next day. Yeah. And they're in the waiting room um, when June asks Charlie if she's sure she's good because June's like really sort of just sort of like picking like she's like grabbing her sleeve and like just being very sort of like grabby uh with mm-hmm. herself can't keep her hands um still so she says she's good um basically charlie reassures her that they're going to be in good hands because this is her friend victor's cousin and they're they're going to get a deal so mm-hmm. and- this episode is sponsored by book of the month i've been subscribed to book of the month for three months now and i'm obsessed If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming. And when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. 
Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code PASTEL at bookofthemonth.com. That's code PASTEL at bookofthemonth.com. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Victor walks out of the office and gives Charlie this Mm. big hug. He's got a thick Brooklyn accent and he seems to be, you know, pretty attracted to June as soon as he sees her. And you don't know if it's like a June thing or a Victor thing because. Yeah, he had so many lingering. At first, I was like really creeped out by him. I was like, is he a a villain? Because he, he was like lingering so much on her. He definitely had like that. I'm trying to negotiate a threesome sort of yes. vibe. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and it's like, but then like, that's the kind of friend you have to tell them like, oh, the reason why people are creeped out by you is because it seems like you're negotiating a threesome, but like, <laughs> yeah. I know you're a really good guy and just like sort of don't know how to control your face. So, yeah. um, Claire, uh, okay, wait, moving on. Sorry. So, um, all right. Diane looks through June's folder of evidence and can't believe that there's so little. She wants to know what else the cops investigated and who else. And she says that, you know, as far as I'm concerned or know of, I'm the only person. So um, she says, like, you know, who could have gone back to the house that night and killed him after you left? And she's like, I have no idea. But also, I wrote down my entire conversation with Karen, um, which wouldn't hold up in court. But I like that she Not wrote it all. down. So then Charlie reminds um, Diane that Karen was the assistant who was just found dead in her home. And Diane tells June that she's going to need a photo of Tony if she's going to investigate. So then June and Charlie are back at Claire's and she asks her if she has a picture of Tony. And Claire says, of course I do. But why would you want one? And June says that she um, needs it for the PI. And Claire's like, oh, of course. Yeah, I'll help you out with that. So... They go upstairs and she tells uh, Charlie to make herself comfortable around the house when she's gone. And she does so. She like she fully sure walks through the house. <laughs> and she, I, I mean, I was afraid to ask my friends if I could have like a soda at their house when I was growing up. So I definitely yeah. was a kid who was going to be like strolling around. Do you remember that? How uncomfortable it was to like yes. tell you, you're like, don't tell your parents, but I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. I would never, never I would never, even as an adult, like to walk, like to be a guest of a guest, because she doesn't, that's not her house. So 
Right. That's and not June's she, house. Like, so to just wander through and you, you must know the animosity that's been brewing inside of this household. So why right. are you just like roaming? If I had a record, like, I mean, I act like I have a record even when I don't. And so I thought it was kind of like, I was like, good for Charlie that she's not letting that hold her back in the world. So like, that's, that's true. Must, she's like, you know what? I'm not a thief. So I'm going to do what I want. Nice. Yeah, I think it probably, I mean, in my mind, it was probably some like sort of white collar adjacent crime. Mm-hmm. Like, or maybe she even snitched someone out so she could get less of a sentence. Yeah. I, Charlie did anything too crazy. But so she takes in the house and she walks through it and she's walking through the kitchen and out to the living room. She's got her eyes wide open on everything. She's clearly looking for something. And she bends down to pick something up off the coffee table and is surprised when she hears someone say her name. I'm going to play 4302 to 4445. Hello, Charlie. Hi. Where's June? Uh, upstairs. Ah. We have it. Oh, hi, sweetheart. Thanks, Charlie. I, uh, better be on my way. Always seem to be running late. I'll call you later. You two spend a lot of time together. Yes. She's helping me. So you spend your days hanging out with another ex-con so you can prove that you didn't really murder your husband. In a nutshell... That's not what I agreed to, Claire. She was supposed to stay with us until she got back on her feet, and that was it. There was nothing in our agreement about hiring detectives or allowing felons to prowl around my house unattended. Claire invited her in. Why are you so paranoid? Don't worry, Jason. I won't kill you. Very funny. Trust me. I'll be ready to move out soon. Um... Megan, I'm I'm going to put some money in the envelope for this month's expenses. If you could just uh, pick up Jason's dry cleaning. Sure, Mrs. Gibbons. Okay, Miss Megan is is back in the mix. <laughs> You know, uh, it's rough. I will say I had a brief moment when we were rewatching this. Young Stevie Nicks, that's who Charlie looks like to me. She has like a Ooh. young Nicks vibe in certain yeah. angles. Um, but yeah, so things are really tense around the house right now. And I'd be like, yo, Claire, like, I know you said it was okay for me to live here, but like, can we be real? It's obviously not okay that I'm here. Like your, your husband wants me the fuck out. Jason Um, is so aggressive. He's so much more aggressive than June, even though they like portray June as being so insane. He, he is so like on edge at all moments. 
Well, he's like paranoid. Like he's honestly, he thinks everyone's out to get him. He is convinced. I'm like, no offense, Jason, but who are you in this world? Like, why would someone want to kill you? It's not like you're, I mean, unless you know something we don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, he's very suspicious. I, I love the idea of petty cash around the house. I've always loved the concept. a box of cash that people have to go to when it's like, okay, the gardener go get. Right. I really was like, is this, what, is this a home? What, or is this like a rich, like I'm not rich enough to understand why he has a, a an envelope that the leather envelope that like comes from a business and he has yeah, petty cash so inside of his home. I think it's just, honestly, I mean, I only know this from like TV and movies, yeah. but I, like at more of like an estate type place, like where they're okay. at, if you're a housekeeper. Yeah, you might put like twelve hundred bucks in cash in there, and mm-hmm. like that's used for groceries or paying a delivery person or yeah, gardener or whatever else. But it's definitely okay. like a budgeted out amount of cash that goes into the envelope. And like this is, of course, the moment I saw it, I was like, okay, this is about to be a plot point because right, they're like, so I'm putting this money in this envelope. Everyone, including Megan, can see me. It's just also like not common enough of a practice that you would do that in a in a show or movie without it being a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A very specific thing. Um. So you know, again, things are super tense at this house. And that night, June is looking through photos of Sammy just so we remember that she's a great mom. Mm -hmm. And then we cut back to the diner that Claire took June to after she got out of jail, and it's called like the. Ellen Street Diner or like E L G I N Street Diner. I meant to look that up. I probably will later on. Oh, yeah, I couldn't see it. But I think it's like probably a local Philly place because this uh-huh. real estate that they've given to like the name of this diner is pretty major <laughs> in the movie. So yeah. she's meeting with Charlie and they catch up on what June's home life is like at the moment. And June is not doing well. And, um, I'm going to play another long clip. Sorry, guys. This is a it's a pretty clip light <laughs> second half of this. But um, mm-hmm. I wanted to set this up for you. June is basically throughout this scene rubbing the brim of her mug like where you would sip the liquid from. She's rubbing it like repeatedly with a napkin. And I'm like, oh, good, June. Like you're catching on. Like, don't leave your DNA anywhere. <laughs> but it, it turns out that this is just some sort of like nervous tick that she has as yeah. a result going off of her medication. So I'm going to play 5521 I can get you a different cup. No, it's fine. Diane calls every day, and she still has not found that bartender. Diane is very good at what she does. I've known her and Victor for years. If anyone can find this guy, she can. You put that over on the right side, next to the pool. Hi. Hi. Nick. Landscaper. Hi. Hey. I, I'm June. Claire's sister. Oh, nice to meet you, June. You too. Bye. 
You okay? What happened? I don't understand it, Claire. I feel like I'm losing it. Like I am really losing it. Junie, I'm glad you brought this up because Jason and I are a little worried about how you've been acting lately. Maybe it's just a combination of things. Getting out of jail and readjusting, the issues with Jason, Sammy coming home soon, Karen's death, everything. And it's understandable. But given your history, I think maybe we should re-examine your medication. Maybe. Why don't you let me make an appointment for you with a doctor I know, a psychiatrist, and you can discuss all of this with her. Another doctor? Her name is Dr. Yardling. She's one of the best in Philadelphia. <sighs> okay, I... It's worth a shot, I guess, right? Hello? Just a moment. It's for you. It's Diane Salva. Hello. June, I've got some news, finally. What is it? Well, I spent the last three days trying to find this bar in Riverside Heights. The one where the bartender was chummy with Tony. Yeah. After going on a bunch of wild goose chases, I finally found it. The name was changed to Morgan's Pub a few years ago. Anyway, one of the waitresses there remembers Tony and the bartender named Greg. Okay? Long story short, Greg was fired. Turns out he's working over at the Mayfair Theater. I called over there, and sure enough... He's the assistant manager. Oh, that's terrific news. So he doesn't start till 2, but uh, I'm going to go over there and pay him a visit and see what he remembers about Tony. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye for now. I love that scene. Those like that, all those moments because we get mm-hmm. such a power trio of these actresses together. I'm loving mm-hmm. it. And we also get a classic. You could never pull this off anymore. Spying from with inside the house on another, like on another house phone. I feel yes. like a moment yes. that our children will be robbed of. Like they will oh, never yeah. and the sheer joy of successfully hacking into the system by picking up another house phone and like yeah. turning it on and covering the receiver. So yeah. no one hear you breathing like that was <laughs> oof, so juicy. And then just listening. I used to, I used to put the phone like upside down so I could, so the mouth yes. part was like in the air. <laughs> so that no <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> so slick. Like, and we got away with it too, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is another thing with June that I just sort of have. I'm like, June, honey, your boundary issues. Like Mm -hmm. Claire is like, comes up to her and she's like, it's okay, sweetie. And she's like, starts like playing with her hair and like caressing her shoulder. Like, do Mm -hmm. you know how close we need to be for you to get away with touching me like that? Like I could never, like you, even my best friend, I think I'd shudder if they touched me like that. And I'm just like, poor June. She doesn't know. Like, she yeah. is deprived so of physical touch or something. And then yeah. also during that first scene, I was thinking to myself, you know what? 
here's the real crime. If like the state has put all the time and resources into the mental health of a prisoner to get them on that perfect medication that's going to get them through life and yes. you fuck that, that should be a punishment equal to death. Like, honestly, you cannot so fuck true. someone. Like a prisoner, come on. Do you know I do you know how much I've paid to get my meds right, let alone like right. this? putting that bill for me like fuck no um but yeah claire's just uh she's an evil bitch honey and i just i can't she is after the after she picked up the house line and heard everything um we see um claire telling nick that the pi the bitch pi found greg and she knows um she knows that he knew tony and nick is like Oh God! Well, the way you said it, it sounds bad because we have to remember Nick. Like <laughs> Nick was in high school when like this happened. Nick is somewhat young, so like there's yeah. like, he's not tuned. He's hearing all of this from a very unreliable narrator. It took um, me a minute to be like, at what point did Nick enter the picture? Because I'm confused why he's so like motivated to keep doing everything that Claire. Well, I know there's money at stake, but it just I wasn't sure the length of time that they had like been doing this. Cause at first I was like, had they, was he there before? But no, cause you're right. He's so young, not so it's young, almost, but he, he was yeah, much younger. But it's almost like too good to be true. I would say yeah. like Nick seems like he's in his like mid thirties and lifetime. Mm-hmm. And Claire seems like she's closer to like her mid forties. So totally. I mean, he would have probably been in, in landscaper college or whatever. When, <laughs> yeah. When she went to. <laughs> so, and by the way, like imagine getting on board with someone, like someone telling you all these sordid details of like a, you know, a situation that they were yeah. involved in and being like, yeah, all right. Like mm-hmm. I, I, you're hot enough. Like I'll go with that. So, um, you know, Nick says like he hates these little snags that keep coming up and Claire says she knows, but Greg likes to run his mouth. And if he says the wrong thing about Tony, it could be a lot more than just a snag. So she's so Nick right about him liking to run his mouth. May I say? I'm, oh yeah, no, he's so <laughs> horny to run his mouth. Like he couldn't care about anything more. So it's, it's actually kind of amazing, like how quickly he folded. But I think that just, it's like people there. And I say this as someone who is one, so many people are just off guard in this world. Like mm-hmm. they just don't really care that they, they can't assume anything bad would come from it. And by the way, what does Greg know? He's like a bartender. Mm-hmm that once knew a customer that died. Like if you've right. been working far long enough, I'm sure most of your customers will die. Um so he doesn't know what's Truly. going on. So Nick DeSalvo is so good. Like I would tell oh. her. I really liked her. I would tell her anything, I feel like yeah. if she started questioning actress. me. Let me see. I, I don't know. I mean I looked her up, but like I didn't really recognize Lang Lois is her name. Yeah. And trying to see if she's in anything I would recognize. She's still, you know, seems like she was working pretty recently. Um, her photo on IMDb is like her inside of a Sephora, which I love. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and by the way, it looks like she works there. Oh, yes. She's wearing the black. That's so true. Yeah. I didn't even connect that because I was like, why is she just like in this Sephora? But okay. She played Patsy in Class of 1984, which I've never seen, but I feel like I've heard of it. 
And it seemed like it came out in 82. I'm sure it was like a big movie for people at that time. She was on my favorite show, Murder, She Wrote. Um, Ooh. In an called The Perfect Foil in 1986. Um, yeah, but she... But I really liked her. Probably, yeah. She did a lot of like TV movies. I liked her mm-hmm. too. And by the way, I would have trusted her with anything. Me too. So, Nick watches Diane walk into the Mayfair and she's just like a boss. She's wearing this maroon suit with like a pink t-shirt underneath. And I was like, I'm so on board. Um, and basically, she gets him to spill it all. Um, Tony had a crazy bitch wife who murdered him. Um, mm-hmm. She must have gotten tired of him coming home smelling like cheap perfume. He says that most of the girls that he slept with were one night stands. He doesn't remember any names, but there was a super sexy brunette with an accent. One or two that could have been hookers. Um, and I'm sure you can imagine how derogatorily that was said <laughs> when it left yes. his I I also always love someone who like works in a movie theater and thinks he's better than a sex worker. I'm like, sweetie, they're so much better than you. Like, calm down. Um, But yeah, so then there was one really high class woman who got her sports car all smashed up. A very rich lady. She was with him right before his wife killed him. Apparently, one night she came in, they got into an argument, and she stormed out. And the next thing he knows, there was a big crash. She goes outside, and she's standing next to her car. It was wrecked, and her hood was jacked up by a piece of crap clunker. It was driven by a drunk driver who had driven off right before her. She says that she was a complete trash mouth, and she unloaded on him using words that he's never even heard a woman use before. And I was like, I would like that. I was like, like what? I would like, like what? Example. <laughs> Truly. That was so you, funny to me. What do you think she said? Like, what? I like, don't, like, he said, she said words I've never heard from a female before, which I was like, what are you saying? First of all, you worked in a bar. <laughs> I, never, like, right. I don't believe you. Which was apparently patronized by like low class sex workers. So like I'm sure you've heard some stuff like before in your life, sweetie. But Truly, like I would like an example. Like I can't think of one word that like she someone would say when their car got hit that's like out of this world for a, a quote unquote female to be saying. I don't think uh women were dropping the C bomb back in two thousand six. Like at that okay. time. That was a little bit of like a radical word, whereas now like That's we're true. more like, I feel like, yeah, even like a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. So um, she asked when this happened and he said it was one of the last times Tony came in. So a few days before his old lady whacked him. Um, and I'm like, what a good guy you are, Tony, honestly. Um, so <laughs> she heads out of the theater and then Nick is sort of like hiding next to these two oh like students who are talking like it's these two like asian teenagers like having a private conversation and then right there nick is like leaning up against one inch from them wouldn't you turn i know this was like clearly a decade or you know 20 years pre-corona but i'm like wouldn't you say something if this man (laughs) hovering above your conversation we're having probably a very polite and normal conversation yeah so um, he says, you know, he comes up to the door and Greg and uh, what's his face? Greg is like, oh, the movie's not for another hour. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm here for something else. He's like the woman who just walked out of here. I'm guessing that conversation was for sale. So Greg's like, yeah, come on in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Claire call Dr. Yardley's office. And 
remember like just earlier that day, she told June that she was going to call for this appointment. But when she calls, she's just calling to confirm the appointment that she made a month prior. So this was like her long-term plan was to get her into the doctor's office, which I feel like because it didn't seem like Dr. Yardley was like paid off. I was confused about what the role was because I was expecting Dr. Yardley. I was expecting like a scene where we saw this like, you know, really corrupt pill pushing doctor. Yes. Um, I thought it was a fake doctor. It had to have been, right? But then she was just so straightforward with like her prognosis. But she uh, was like clearly a real doctor in the scene, like late that comes later. I mean, I don't know. That's like jumping ahead, but like I was very hung up on this because I was just was like they kept fo- they kept saying her name. They were like, I made I have to confirm this appointment with Dr. Yardley and like they kept talking about it. So I was like, it must be a fake doctor. But then she gave her a sample that couldn't be fake. Like it was like a sample pack that said the name of, it was a real medication. Like, I just was like, I don't understand why she, why this is even in this movie. It seemed like genuine, like (laughs) psychiatric meds, by the way, I just want to say that I am like, I'm watching the video play out before me with mute on. And I just replayed the scene of like the two kids talking outside the theater where (laughs) when Nick was like leaning up against the wall yeah, and they look like they just came off of a first date. He is, he looks so into her. If you just want to go watch like 10 seconds of completely silent acting, this guy <laughs> is so invested in her. I really think like it's beyond just getting laid for him. Like, I don't think, Truly. I think he does want to fuck this girl, but I think he also is really interested in her thoughts on the film. They just saw together. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the extras are like real life. They were like, let's get real life people who are actually dating. (laughs) Those two might actually be dating now. Like if they weren't, when the movie started, that performance was convincing. I I believe it was really into her. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So then after like, she has this phone call with the confirming Dr. Yardley or whatever, she takes the money out of the petty cash envelope that Megan was supposed to use. Mm -hmm. So then June, taking care of her mental health, God bless her, goes for a run in the park and she spots some kids playing soccer. And at first you're like, oh, wait, is one of them Sammy? But they're not. She's just a good mom. And she loves kids. She's thinking about her kid. And then her phone rings and she answers it. It's Diane. And she tells her that she got some good info from Greg. And now she's on to something, something big. And she hopes to have some good news for her real soon. She tells her just to hang in there. And June is really sort of going through it right now. You can tell she Mm -hmm. feels like absolute shit and like her meds are wearing off and her brain probably feels like a watercolor painting or something. Mm -hmm. Um, She's doing a good job. The actress is doing a good job of playing up in a exaggerated way what it feels like to come off your medication, but Mm -hmm. in enough of a way that I'm like, okay, go get it. Like you're, you're yes. Good acting. Um, (laughs) <laughs> by the way so you're like a you actually act um <laughs> what is good acting like because i've <laughs> i don't know anymore and i'm like that is a really good performance but i don't i don't know i think i'm just it's, used to very run-of-the-mill acting now it's so funny because i was trying to like look at it from like a lifetime i love lifetime movies by the way like someone hire me because i will be in your lifetime movie but um yeah. uh 
so I was trying to look at it from that perspective because you have to like, I think it's way harder when you don't have a lot to go with, with the script. And like, I really feel like June is like killing it this whole movie because she, no matter what's going on around her, she keeps it like consistent. And she does a lot of, um, it's just believable when, when I hear her talking, it's like believable. Whereas a lot of the other people, I think my issue with Charlie is because her lines are so like, they're not like conversational in any way. So it's right. so hard for her to speak them in a believable way. Yeah. But June is, uh, uh, Elisa is really good at that. She's like, doesn't matter what I'm saying. I know it's crazy, but like she believes it. So we can all believe it. I think if you, if I'm not thinking about your acting, then good on you. Like that's, that's yeah. good Yeah. I always say like people work with the material they get and it does mm-hmm. feel like Charlie's doing a lot. She does a lot of heavy lifting. Like it's, it's a little she clunky. Um, yeah. Cause she has to yeah. just be like the friend who has to be like, but wait, when we were in prison, you said that, yeah. you know, like she has it's to total exposition. I, it's like, yeah. Um, so then, okay. I have questions for you. Cause I am not, <laughs> I've never been an actress. I'm not in the union for that whole world. I always wonder, like, do actors who do Lifetime movies like this, is that anything that you would get, like, residuals for? Or do you, is it a one-time fee? So, as and I'm not, like, a, an expert on this because this has to do with the Canadian union because this movie is definitely filmed in Canada. So, like, I'm in SAG. So, if I do a film that's sag i'm gonna get residuals but i don't kill me like no one come for me but i'm pretty sure canadian the canadian union people don't get residuals and i think that's why they use so many local they'll they'll have like one or two american actors and then they'll every the rest of the cast is all canadian and then because they they can get them cheaper like they don't have to pay them residuals but i'm sure like elisa is getting and susan walters who plays Claire, like, I'm sure they're getting residuals. That's how, like, the Degrassi kids got all fucked up, was because there's no, like, syndication fee for that. Like, it's a one-and-done, very wild. Yeah, And, like, there's a lot of Canadian production laws that, like, for example... I only know this because I found out in college that I could never write for Degrassi because it's filmed in Canada, based in Canada, written by Canadian writers. Like, their union, like, you can't come into that as an American. But obviously, we bring bring movies there all the time. So I think that's different, like, when they're shooting there. But, like, I could not permeate, like, a Canadian set to save my Mm. life because... Like that's their that's the way that they protect their union really well, and also okay. why I think we don't really know a lot about most Canadian television because exactly yeah, like they're not going to promote something here if we can't benefit from it. Like <laughs> that mm-hmm. seems to be the case, unfortunately. <laughs> so like but we can yeah. work. Actors can definitely. It's easy for an actor to work in Canada, but not necessarily like on a Canadian production if that makes sense so like a lot of american television shows obviously shoot in canada like they shoot in vancouver yeah. they shoot in toronto like like riverdale and like all those like cw shows they all shoot in canada but they're, they're still sag as far as i know like i i bet yeah. they can hire like local canadian people for like cheap 
but if you're an American and you go onto those shows, it's, it's straightforward. Like you still get residuals and all that. But that's also like one thing that I was thinking about when I was watching this movie was I thought, oh, they must have really filmed it in Philly because there are certain states in like the U.S. where you mm-hmm. get a huge production bonus if you film in their city. Like Georgia yeah, loves a show that films there. Like uh, Philadelphia yeah, yeah. loves something that films there. So I assumed that it would have taken place there because they were so specific about it being in that city. And I know also that's like a thing where they say, like, if you film yeah. in our city, like, that's great. We'll give you a bonus. But just make sure we know that you yeah, film Yeah, I thought that was weird, too, because, like... The only reason I, I looked at that is because there were, I mean, like half, if not more of the characters who speak in this movie are Canadian. So I just was like, they mu- like that's so weird because it seems like it wouldn't be that expensive to just shoot it in Philadelphia. But I don't I'm, I don't know. I'm not a producer, I guess. A little, little like, you know, like local color moment where they're yeah. like, OK, like just put it in a city as opposed to no city. But right. Okay, here's my other question. So with day rates, so if you're like the guy outside of the theater who just gave a really compelling performance in my mind, that extra who said nothing, like what do you yeah. think he makes for that? Because he's a featured extra, right? That's Is like, that a featured extra? I doubt it. I really doubt it. If it's because I don't, again, I don't know their union, so I don't know how it is. In America, you're not really getting a pay bump when you're a background actor unless you're like really being like you're a part of the storyline. But yeah. you you would get like a day rate like a like a day rate for you can get a day rate without speaking. It's so it's so confusing and kind of convoluted cuz like th- nowadays they don't want to pay anyone so they like downgrade everything, but um you can still get like a credit without speaking if you are like moving the story along. So if you're like important to the storyline, they'll still like audition. Like I know people who audition for like no line co-stars on television shows. Yeah. Um, when the, when they're being mentioned, like if, if, a, if another character is like speaking about them and they're being shown, but that's more rare because you can really get away with using a background actor and you don't, pay any no background people get residuals so you don't have to pay anything extra what's but I like know about for this day rate for showing up like on a when you're an extra is it like literally it's, 50 dollars and a sandwich it, if you're in the union it's i think it's like 125 or 150 it's like minimum wage for the day um if you're non-union i think they can get away with like 75 dollars on like lower budget stuff but well actually if you're non-union they can probably get away with like not paying you. I don't know. It depends on, it depends on the situation, but most like legitimate productions, they'll pay you between a hundred and $200 a day with no residual. And for an actor who has like one line, you might get like a thousand dollars a day depends on, um, but you could get as low as one twenty five, three three hundred. It depends on the, um, on the contract that the, that the film is on. Cause film is different from TV. TV is more straightforward. Like if I have one line yeah. on TV, I'm getting a thousand dollars pretty much. Oh, that's um, great! But you can also get a thousand dollars for four pages if they don't feel like calling you something else. Like it's right. just based on how they bill you. It's crazy. Dude, but, I'll tell yeah. you, like working on a show and seeing like 
my heart would bleed for anyone who had an under five or like a featured extra, like my heart bled for you because I just couldn't Mm -hmm. handle it. I couldn't handle like the passion and drive that it takes to pursue something that can be so fruitless. And then like, if the director doesn't like you, you're fucking gone. (laughs) And they have like rescheduled your elderly mother's doctor appointment for the day. Like I remember Uh we cut, a part in a script once and the woman who had the part that we cut was like 80 years old. And I I just, I had never like worked on a set like that. And Mm -hmm. I remember just like weeping and my boss was like, are you okay? And I was like, I just feel so bad. Like she drove all the way from wherever she's from and came here and probably told her family that she had a line yeah. on two broke girls. And like, I just want to die. Like I'm like her life. <laughs> is, you don't have that much time left on this earth with yeah. this woman. And we told her to go the fuck home because we wrote the part wrong. And now there's no part at all. And I was like, yeah. I can't live like this. And so thankfully <laughs> my boss was like, Jesus Christ. Like, and so we <laughs> wound up bringing her back later on in this season for another part. And he was like, Molly, did you see I brought your girl back? And I'm like, yes. That's so you. sweet. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, you get used to it. I, I feel for this. I feel for an 80 year old woman, but I'm used to that now because with so much television on right now, like, it's I don't tell people when I book a job unless it's like unless it's on it's already aired because your chances of getting cut are very high I just booked an Amazon show this year and like they I was like getting ready in my bathroom for the table read and they were like oh we got your whole scene like it's just yeah, that makes me want to like fucking cry, dude. Like I can't. Don't cry. Like, I just I know, <laughs> but like I will. Like I'll I will <laughs> privately. Because like but I just like, I don't know. It oh, you can God. also have it where like you do one audition and then you book a show and you're like good for seven years. Like it's just that kind of thing where like everything sucks until it doesn't. So I feel like I mean, I don't know. I'm tr- I try to be optimistic. I'm pretty positive no, about it. And by the way, like, what does it say about <laughs> me that I am, like, tearing up a little right now thinking about it? I you will tell compassion. you, like, that man in front of the theater, like, that might be my first TikTok because I've combed through this entire <laughs> IMDb and I'm not seeing him anywhere. And to me, he's a star. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I, I might I want the internet to hunt him down for me and I want to collaborate with that man on a project that's going to let him shine because like unless his life has taken a terrible turn for the worse like mm-hmm. I think he has something special in there and like let's just tap into it. I'm sure he's like a Canadian married man who's like why the fuck is <laughs> and by the way sir it's not romantic between us it's completely professional mm-hmm. and I just respect you as an actor you really sold me but um, yes. yeah. So, oh God, okay, I gotta move on from this. It's like I will cry. So, um, okay, June saw the kids playing soccer, blah, blah, blah. Great news, hang in there. Okay, so mm-hmm. Nick talks to Claire and tells him, uh, and tells her that he talked to Greg, but he doesn't know who the rich woman was at the bar that night. He only knew that she was a high class broad. And she's concerned that Diane knows about the car accident. And she tells mm-hmm. him that needs to uh, basically see him in person right away. So let's play this clip 5534 to 5819. It was you, wasn't it? What are you talking about? The one with the shiny red convertible. Good old Greg described you to a T. You were having an affair with your sister's husband. He 
He was blackmailing me. <laughs> really? He found out that I was seeing Jason and he knew he had money. Tony seduced me. He seduced you? Yes. And then he threatened to tell Jason. He wanted $50,000. It was the night I was supposed to pay him half. I called Tony and overheard them fighting. It sounded violent. I didn't know what had happened, so I decided to go over there. Tony? Oh. Oh, God. of yours. She cannot Sammy. One thing about June, she was never good at finishing things. I'd have it in me to kill someone, but you know, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. We are 24 hours away, Nick. Jason's poker game is set for tomorrow. I got June a doctor's appointment at the perfect time, and my dinner with those goody two shoot charity women is confirmed. We're so close. But if DeSafo finds out that I was seeing Tony, It'll be all over. And we can kiss Jason's millions goodbye. I thought you said our plan was airtight, Claire. It is. June is falling apart without her medication. She and Jason are fighting all the time, and everyone, including our housekeeper, has seen her acting completely crazy. It'll all work out. I'll make sure it does. Like, why these ugly men? Like, why? How is Tony this, like, powerful of a man? Right. Right. And I also was like, Tony asked to be murdered, which I don't want to, like, go off the deep end. But, you know, I have a similar opinion to you about Jodi Arias. Yeah. And how, like, if you just try to push a person who's clearly crazy then they're going to kill you. So I don't really know what he thought he was doing, but like Claire's crazy. You can't blackmail Claire. I'm like crying because like the collection of freak ass bitches I have built in my life who just agree with me about Jodi Arias. Like, do you know how, what an uncommon breed we are? Like, I'm sorry, but like if you know for a fact that someone came in your house and took pictures of you while you were asleep and then you invite them back into your home to like sleep with them. And then you're still trying to like play this game. What, what do you, what do you think? I just don't, I hate I to say like, like you asked to be murdered. 
No, I agree. I feel like his family right. should like sue the Mormon church instead of like holding Jody a- accountable because the only reason yeah. why he got caught up in that mess, if I'm being honest, is because he couldn't live yes. up to his Mormon ideals and just wanted to get laid on the side. And I say, right. is that Jody's fault or is that Mormonism? I have to say Mormonism. I agree with you. I'm so I'm willing to I'm willing to say it. I do agree with you. And I feel like Tony was in the same area because he was going too hard he was trying to like fight everyone in his life and blackmail people and you know he put himself in the position to get murdered is all i'm saying yeah and by the way his wife with like a garden variety a completely medicatable mental illness that she clearly was willing to work on by the way Mm -hmm. she had her son this was all about her son this man weaponize that against her because why he was a complete egomaniac i am not with tony i cannot believe that all these people for mediocre men what people do for mediocre men and her sister how dirty like what a fucking brother-in-law fucker like i cannot deal with so disgusting i know aside from the messiness of it all and like obviously being really like evil it just, I mean, I have three sisters and like, I shouldn't even, I don't even want to mention that because in this sentence, because it's so disgusting. I don't no, know how people do that. No, you cannot cross pollinate on that level. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's just really gross. It's really yes. like, I can't and move. For what? To wind understand. up dead on the floor by a tacky ass statue. So. <laughs> Diane is walking through the parking lot on her phone, headed to her car, and she gets in and turns it on. And right away, Nick pops up from the back seat, and he just does one sort of gentle stab in her back and then gets out. But that's enough to take Diane out. Um, So there's no money in the petty cash at the house, as we know. And when Jason goes looking for it, he asks Megan if she's sure she didn't spend it all. And I'm like, leave fucking Megan alone. Okay, Jason, your <laughs> life is riddled with problems. Leave June alone. Leave Megan alone. And like, yeah. look at Megan in the mirror. Like, you are sleeping next to the devil herself. Like, exactly. Yourself, Jason. So um, she says, no, she just used it for some groceries and some other small errands, but not that much. And Claire says that she took some out to pay the gardener. Hmm, I wonder who the gardener is, but not that much. Um, and it's like, call him by his name. You know his name. He's Nick. So right. she goes to the kitchen and she overhears Jason saying that with all the criminals in the house, it's no wonder that the money is missing. And she confronts him over this and wants to know if he really thinks that she'd steal from them. And she denies knowing what happened. But uh, Jason has a lot more like more harsh words for her about how she's a criminal and she can't be trusted. And they start like really going back and forth. And we see old Megan's really tuned into this conversation. Right. And another like, time. What? You're unbelievable. Like, you know, we're just, you know, he's like, I'm just stating facts. And Claire says, okay, you guys need to calm down. You don't even know if the money's gone. Um, And June's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I hate that he's treating me like this. Like, he's treating me like I'm a criminal. And he's like, well, you are a criminal. And you've been acting like a lunatic ever since you got here. It gets worse every day. Um, He doesn't even think she's capable of raising her son anymore. And this really sets June off. And she glass and breaks it on the counter and i'm like dude what makes you think that she's not going to be a good mom she served eight years for a Mm -hmm. murder she didn't commit she has like gotten herself together now all of a sudden she comes here and things start to get rocky but it seems to me like june's doing a pretty good job minding her own fucking business like what makes you wouldn't be a good mother and the only time she gets upset is when somebody tries to come for her 
Yes. Especially like, she, like <laughs> her motherhood is what that's. Yes. Her thing. Yeah. It's, and that's the, always the lifetime X factor is they're like, what's the one thing we can get anyone watching to relate to. And it's yeah, always yeah. like something like that. So, um, Claire looks thrilled that her plan is going well. And Maggie, again, is just like, we get another close-up on Maggie. So then June goes into her room and starts packing up. And Claire comes in. She's like, calm down. You've got an appointment with the doctor tomorrow. And Sammy will be coming back into town next week. It's all going to be okay. So just a reminder, the timeline of this is that we're not... Sammy hasn't even come back to town. He's still like on his San Francisco, California road trip. So she says that she can't deal with him treating her like she's useless trash. And Claire reminds her that he's been good to her son. Anything he's ever needed, he's gotten. And I was like, oh, true. Like he has been paying yeah. for her life when she was in the slammer. That's a good point. Um, and Jason's not a bad guy. And then at this point, June breaks down again and apologizes. And I'm like, June, you are too good for this world. Like, I, I don't know what to tell yeah. you. I could let June live with me so she could avoid all this. But yeah. um Now it's night and Claire's talking to Nick on the phone and she tells him that they're almost in the clear. She just needs him to double check that he has the keys to the house and and the key to the gun cabinet. And he's like, you know, yeah, I do. And she goes, well, I wish you luck. So the next morning, Jason is eating breakfast at the table and Megan is cleaning. And um, Claire comes down and says that she's not going to be home that night because she's meeting with the girls to talk about the charity fashion show. Always a charity fashion show. Always. Never happened in real life. Has there ever really, besides the pot <laughs> fashion show and Real Housewives in New Jersey, has there ever been a real charity fashion show? I don't see how it can be for charity. Like, where's the money coming from? Are people paying an entry fee? From what I understand, see, like- <laughs> I were to plan one of these events, it would be like all the outfits are borrowed from like local boutiques. And then okay. you pay for a table. And like it's oh, a set, okay. excuse to party that night, and like they put out probably some like you know free champagne and like light sure. appetizers, and you just get shit faced and watch like tween girls like show right. up. It's so it. weird. <laughs> yeah, it's very, um, it's very PizzaGate. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the boys um she like she won't be there to serve the boys snacks at poker night um which yeah. i love the idea that claire ever did that um but right. make some before she leaves and then megan's like yeah and i also picked up some beer and i'm like megan we don't deserve you either like let's get True. you out of here so um this makes jason you know very happy he's so thrilled that there's beer and that he's gonna have his night and she says to him please just don't pick any fights with june tonight so Claire sits at the kitchen counter and is looking through some flyers that are printed up um, for the Philadelphia Advocates for Children. Um, and she and Jason have their photo on the flyer and they're listed as the charity event sponsors. So another thing, too, is like, did she use Sammy to sort of like ingratiate herself into this part of society? Because like otherwise, mm-hmm. what the fuck are these two childless people doing? Like, yeah, I thought that, too. So, Like, who are they? So she tells her that, you know, they're going to she's going to get a ride to the doctor's office from Charlie. That's what June Mm -hmm. said, Um, because they have plans. And then she's going to drop her off. And Claire refuses to let her take the bus home. She's going to give her money for a cab. She doesn't want to think of her alone at night. And I'm still trying to understand why this was necessary, other than maybe the unpredictable nature of public transportation. But yeah. 
she really won't let her take she was like pushing it and i just was like is this a part of it too why are you being so extra about it it (laughs) never full sense and i'm like you really think your sister who just did eight years and like max security prison yeah ride a bus home and like i came from jail (laughs) so uh, charlie are downtown and she drops her off in front of the office but before she gets out her phone rings and it's victor diane's brother he tells her that diane was found dead in her car that morning and it looks like a failed robbery of some type he says that he'll call her back later um, and so Charlie tells this to June, who doesn't even know how to process this. Like, mm-hmm. why, you know, at this point, I would be asking myself more directly, why is all this murder happening around me? Exactly. Like, I know that she's been through so much, but she seems to really just be like, it's like almost as if like her phone got shut off after she thought yes. she just paid the bill. And I'm like, no, girl, this is like mur- murder. Like, it's also, you're like, murder. you're trying to investigate what happened and why you were framed for murder and then more murders are happening. So I would think that would be the first place that your mind goes. But, you know, she's off her pills. So it's, this is it's, true. it's hard to hold her accountable. So she goes this into Dr. Yardley's office and she's, Dr. Yardley's like, are you sure you're okay? And she's like, yeah, I think so. I've just been feeling off. And like, it's definitely like a shrink's office, but she's never like sitting down with her one on one, sort of just like staring out into like the scenery from the top of this building. And you, like, you know, the doctor just says like, OK, I'm going to write a new prescription for you. I want you to take two of these a day to start. So she does the right thing and puts her on a new med plan. Um, and then that night at the house, she arrives home in her taxi And the whole house looks like it's lit up from the outside. But when she enters the foyer, it's actually pretty dark. And so Mm -hmm. she walks into the kitchen and then, bam, Jason is dead on the floor. So she whispers his name and starts to lean toward him. But right then, Kevin comes up behind her and puts a cloth over her mouth. She's chloroformed, okay? So then, speaking of featured extras, Claire is at dinner with her friends at a very fancy restaurant. And she says, guys, we're like looking to pull in about $90,000 to this charity. And then they didn't get a speaking part, the two friends she was with. And yeah. like, it almost seemed like they either did this scene so many times or this was the first take or both of them hated her because they didn't have a line. And she's like, cheers. And they all sort of like clink glasses. And the one whose face we can see looks at the other actress like, can you believe this shit? Like her face is, and I'm like, yeah. oh, there's clear. They're all clearly on different pages, unless they genuinely we were supposed to take that she hates Claire from this. Yeah, I, like, there's Ooh. another backstory going on here because she just told you guys are getting ninety thousand dollars for like a local children's charity. That's major money. Um, and also, I just wanted to mention, I don't know if you noticed their plates of food, but like. The one lady on the right looks like she's eating like half of a cantaloupe. (laughs) It's just like a cantaloupe. I feel like they just like got stuff from craft services and like they didn't have like meals to like stage with. So they just used random fruits and vegetables. Well, so do you remember like, did you see the Justin Bieber yummy video that came out? (laughs) Yes. 
And it's like all these old people in this like antiquated dining room eating like 1950s versions of like what treats are like jello molds and fruit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like bacon lobster. And right when I saw this dining room, it had that like pretty hunter green sort of style like walls that match the tablecloth. Mm-hmm. Like the room itself looked very old and elegant. That's true. And so- sort of the disjointed food that they have. I was almost like, this might be a nod to like a historical moment, but it does are because you, why, who thinks like that? Right. Like we don't think like, Oh, that's better. <laughs> like cantaloupe and a steak, of course. But <laughs> it seems like I've been, it was like calling back to another time. Mm-hmm. Um, and their so, hairstyles were also from another time. So that was, they did. Something. They had like a, um, like Kate Gosselin's haircut was like a yeah. take on that. Like it was like take yes. that haircut, but make it funky. Like mm-hmm. it was very like patchy blonde highlights and sort of you know, like a very homely stay at home mom sort of look. Yes. Uh, well, which we deserve better than that, guys. So, um, <laughs> June is passed out on the floor. This is terrifying. I will post to the Instagram, what she sees when she wakes up. But like they do her POV shot and she is looking at Jason's dead body with like blood coming out of his mouth. And of course this motherfucker died with like a smug smile on his face. (laughs) It is so, it's genuinely It's like anything, it's better than anything that happened in Joker. If I'm being honest with you. It Um, was legitimately very scary. Yeah, so there's a knock at the door, and it's Jason's friends who are there for poker that night, and they're just like these fucking smug, fucking rich assholes, and they're like, hello, like, I'm I'm feeling lucky tonight, and they're all, like, you know, thinking that life is going to go perfectly for them like it always does, Um, and right then, June is coming, too, and really confused about what's going on, but she knows that whatever this is, this is going to be a bad look for her. Um, but they, the guys come in anyway. And once they clock her, she runs and she like goes, you know, she, she runs, she's gone. So at this point, June calls Charlie from a sidewalk and Charlie's working at a restaurant as a waitress. In my mind, she was getting like a rum and Coke for a mom, like Mm -hmm. a beer for the sober dad and like two Shirley temples for the kids. Like I, I've worked (laughs) at so many restaurants. I know that stance, like you're just me too. the drinks that were that you can't fill yourself in the back to be served at the bar. So, um, yeah, like he, she tells Charlie that, you know, someone's trying to frame her again. Jason was dead on the floor and she was knocked out with chloroform. And when she came to his friends were there and she tells Charlie that she's in front of a gas station on maple and vine. And Charlie's like, okay, I'll be there in 30 minutes or less. And this is when mm-hmm. I want to say to Charlie, I want to pull her aside and say, listen, you also have a criminal record, okay? Like, you yeah. don't... I know that she's your friend. I know you guys have been through a lot together, but you don't need to put yourself in this position, Charlie. Like, yeah. maybe, it, maybe it's your good heart that puts you in this situation to begin with. And that's... Yeah, and she's leaving work at. in the middle of her shift? I'm like, girl. Yes. I, I mean, that is like a whole... If That is a whole ordeal to get someone to cover your tables, let alone because yeah. you're going your friend up at a fucking active crime scene so he also is this um, when she sorry is this when june said i think they saw me when yeah. she's talking about i was like why is she saying that when they looked each other they all looked each other dead in the eyes and then she ran 
she's like, I think they, they, all, they saw me. Like, why? Are yeah, they, they all they but like, you. exchanged pleasantries. Like, it was very <laughs> obvious what happened there, Speedy. So, Charlie pulls up to the gas station and June hops in the car. And of course, June's like a fucking wreck. And she's trying to tell her, you know, she's completely fucked. She came to and the gun was in her hand. Her fingerprints are all over it. And she knows that Jason's friends saw her and they're going to think it was her. It's like, yeah, (laughs) of course they are. So they were like an asshole to you at dinner. Like after you served your time, of course, they're going (laughs) to. So, um, you know, she's like completely upset. And Charlie, who, like, again, shouldn't have to put up with any of this shit, tells June to calm down and that they can talk about it when they find someplace safe. So she she's like, OK, I'm going to call Victor, our good guy, Victor. I fucking mm-hmm. I've grown to really love Victor over this time. I was judgmental yeah. at first, but Victor really does something for me now. So they go mm-hmm. to Victor's place. And I have to say great place for a single guy he has a big Mm -hmm. house and it's impeccably decorated for set design in this movie which i guess i'm sort of notoriously harsh on i thought that every place in this looked not only authentic but it was like well decorated and seemed i totally clocked that i was like i feel i felt like every house as big as it may have been because every person had like a huge huge house um but I felt like every house was like someone's real house. Like it, it was like real stuff that was in it. It didn't look staged. I wish they did that more with Lifetime yeah. movies where they just like rented a family's house that yeah. was like clean and lived in and had like tchotchkes and made it seem like this character had like more of a built up life. Because I think they do yeah. rent a lot of houses, but they're like houses that are for sale and they're staged or something. Yeah. It seems uh, like it would be even cheaper. I mean, I don't know, but just like ask some person <laughs> if you can I mean, film in their porn. house. That they do that all the there time. All those rich people up in the Valley yeah. they go to work for the day. Someone's filming some porn, a bunch of people bang it out in their living room. They come home. The set is wrapped. Everyone's gone. Like, and you, you collect can- your check. Great. You it's good for everyone. Living. Yeah. You make a nice little living renting out your house. Yeah. For- Um, it was most noticeable in the big house the mansion because it was like that's not an easy space to fill because it's it was huge but every room looked like legit yeah it looked very like richly because that's some that's what happens sometimes like mugs and jugs like one of my favorite movies that we've ever done here um (laughs) that house was like just obviously barren and then they put some stuff into it but this house it looked it it was yeah set design 10 out of 10 on this one um so they're at victor's kind of like you know great little house as i said at the kitchen table Mm -hmm. and he brings june a cup of coffee i'm gonna play 109 28 to 112 20 anyone that knows me can see that i am the perfect patsy not only that you talk to the shrink about being prone to violence and then there was that party you walked out of on Jason's birthday. I know, I know. It's the ideal setup. All roads lead back to me. Well, with the, uh, with the fights and Jason's accusations about the missing money this morning, it, uh, it doesn't look good. But if Charlie says you're innocent, I believe her. Since I didn't do it, the question is, who did? Did he have a lot of enemies? 
According to Claire, he had a reputation for being a ruthless businessman. So I'm guessing the answer is yes. Okay, okay. So let's rephrase that then. Who would benefit most from his death? I'd say Jason's wife. Claire? How much will she inherit? She's my sister. She... No, it... That's ludicrous. Hey, follow the money, they always say, right? No, no. Claire couldn't do this to me. June, Jason was rich. Very rich. Let's say, for argument's sake, that Claire had something to do with it. Framing you would be the perfect thing to do. the case against me very strong since I've already been convicted of killing Tony. Claire knew the progress my cousin was making, right? Yes, I always told Claire everything. And your cousin Diane was killed right after she found out something important from that guy Greg. That's a pretty weird coincidence, don't you think? You know, I did tell Claire that Diane had something important to tell me. Wait, Oh, hold on. Let, let's just focus on this for a second. Now, what did this guy Greg say to my cousin? That's what I have to find out. Oh, not you. Me. The cops are already looking for you. Charlie, too, I'll bet. I'll go down to the theater tomorrow as soon as it opens. I mean, it might be something for June to think about that Victor has more loyalty to his cousin than... <laughs> Her sisters ever had to her, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, of course I told her everything. And like Victor, this actor, God bless him, because he does such a good job of trying to like measure his reaction because you, mm-hmm. you can tell he's thinking this bitch, like the <laughs> fuck. But he just like sort of holds it in. I mean, I think I love Victor. If I'm gonna be honest, I think I'm in love with him. He he definitely turned around for me. In the first scene, I truly was like creeped out by him, but he he's a strong he's a strong actor i think and and uh, and his character is really good too i know i him. love that i mean I, that's that's the east coast of it all too you know mm-hmm. um so, true. so the, the forensics team is at the house when claire gets home and it's a whole scene there and she gets out of the car and asks them what happened and one of his friends comes over and goes you can't go in there it's jason and her you know i always think how would I play it off if I knew someone was getting murdered? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I think this way, but I'm like, if I knew someone was getting murdered and I had to play it off, like it was a surprise, what would be my go-to? And I thought she yes. played this very well because she just sort of put her hand over her mouth and then she leaned into his chest before any sort of emotional action could really like emotional mm-hmm. reaction could be read on her face. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. Just play it off as shock. We all respond differently to grief, right? Yeah. So the next morning, um, uh, June is wrapped up in a blanket in Victor's backyard looking out on the scenery. And by the way, he lives in a gorgeous area. It's all mm-hmm. very busy there. 
And Charlie comes out of the house in this large green bathrobe where I was like, did you fuck Victor? Because she was clearly wearing like a men's bathrobe. Yes. Apparently, you know, June didn't sleep at all last night, which how could you? And she can't believe Claire would do this to her. She always defended her and she thought that, you know, she was going to be there in her corner her whole life. And Charlie tells her that she doesn't know why people do the things they do, but they're not going to stop until people know she didn't kill Jason or Tony. And June tells her that she's a good friend. And I'm like, yeah, June, that's the fucking understatement of the century. Yes. (laughs) Do you have any idea? She's given up her whole life for you, it seems. She really has, in a way. Like, come on. So then Victor, the next day, goes down to the Mayfair Theater, and Greg is doing something I've wanted to do my entire <laughs> life. And he's putting letters up on the marquee of a movie theater. I would uh, you, I would pay someone to let me do that. Like, if I could go to all the theaters in L.A., like, go to the Wiltern and put up all the coming <laughs> acts, like, that, the, sliding those little letters in must feel That's so true. good. Have you ever done does, like a it does look satisfying? Like I have never I have never done that. But now that you and I've also never thought of it. But now that you mention it, that where are you from satisfying. originally? Um, so I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, but I've lived in a bunch of places. I I actually lived in Boston for a little bit. I went to Boston Community Leadership Academy in Brighton for a little bit, but most, oh. most of my life I lived in, in Anchorage. And then I went to college in Louisiana. Whoa. Okay. So I'm so sure I've, I've been all, like a lot of places. Shauna, my mom lives in Brighton now. So I love that. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. I, I, I would like, I, I'll tell you offline, like yeah. where she lives, but um, yeah, she has a little house in Brighton now, which is great because I grew up, I went to Boston college. I was born in Brighton, yeah. but oh. Does everyone, I was born at St. Elizabeth's Catholic Hospital. So, um, which by the way, when you were at BC and you got like, um, I mean, if anything happened to you, they would take you to St. Elizabeth's, which is like so fucked because it is a Catholic hospital. So if it was mm-hmm. like a lady issue, like forget it, you weren't getting help there. But like they would take like drunk kids to St. Elizabeth's to sober up. And like, can you imagine anything worse than like going on a fucking bender and waking up in a Catholic hospital, like with Jesuits <laughs> standing around you ready to like penalize your ass? No. Um, but does everyone freak out when they find out you're from Anchorage? Yeah, definitely. I it's mean, not common. I mean, like, yeah, a lot of people don't know anyone from Alaska. And the most common comment is, I didn't know there was black people in Alaska. Isn't it like is, 2% of the population? Um, It's like, there's like a military, there's like a military base there. So okay. it's not because I lived in Arizona, I left out Arizona, I lived in Arizona for a little bit. And it's way more white and boston actually like for me because it's like so segregated it's yeah no like i i i knew like a lot of i just i knew a lot of black people in in anchorage but i don't know if it's just because of the the military or what what it was because my parents weren't in the military but they just randomly moved there I remember that always being like a stat, you know, when like a statistic just jumps out at you and it like sticks yeah. to your brain. For some reason, I remember it being like only 2% of the population in Alaska is black. I could see but that. I, I will tell you this. 
I obviously you grow up in your own bubble and like mm-hmm. you don't realize who you're around. And like, I always thought totally. that I was from a pretty like multicultural place. Like most of the kids at my school, if they weren't like white Jewish, they were like, um, Asian, Indian, like mm-hmm. some, like, you know, something yeah. like where your parents were probably wealthy in some capacity. Totally. It was a small, wealthy town. My, I was like the rogue girl who had a mom who was a cleaning lady. But I will tell you, when I went home to Boston, um, I think probably, obviously not this April, but like previous April, I Mm -hmm. walked around Coolidge Corner because my mom Mm -hmm. was close to there. And I got into an Uber and like this like old guy, probably like, you know, very liberal guy in his 60s, older white guy. Yeah. He got into, I got into his car and he was like, Oh, oh, you're not, you know, you haven't lived here in a while. What are you thinking? I was like, I just like never realized like everyone here is white. And he was started laughing and I was like, no, seriously. Like yeah. I was walking for like a mile and a half and then I saw an Asian person and it hit me that that was mm. the first person who wasn't a white person that I yeah. had seen. And then like, I just was like, I had my eyes peeled. I was looking for yeah. any sign of non-whiteness and like, it just isn't here. He's like, I know, right? right? He's like, oh, you live out in LA, right? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, it's so white over here. And then like it, I said to my mom, I'm like, yeah, I said to my mom, I'm like, mom, it's so white here. She's like, no, it's not. It's like, there's lots of people. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because Boston itself, like, is quite diverse. It's just very yeah. segregated. Because, like, I went to, I had to, like, tour a couple schools when I moved there because the public school system, as I'm sure you know, is kind of, like, dicey. So it depends. Um, yeah. We were living in, when I first moved there, we were living in Dorchester. So we, like, looked at a bunch of schools and every school that I went to was like totally different racial background, racial um, yeah. makeup. So it was like, there would be a school that was like thousands of kids and they were all black or like black and Latino uh, Latinx. And then there would be like, like a lot of the private schools were like all white. My little sister went to um, the Newman school in back Bay. And it was like, I went to the Newman school. Did you really? My freshman year, and then That's my mom crazy. moved to New Jersey with some guy that she was engaged to. But yeah, I fucking went to the Newman School for a oh, year. And, yeah, and like that's to this day who yeah. like my friends from high school are. Is it the she, kids I went? Yeah, to she graduated with. from there. But that's she we, fucking that's do you, so I, weird. If you guys are listening to this, Newman had probably. 70 kids per no not even 50 kids per graduating class Mm -hmm. so like you were all we all knew each other and like it was a school where freshmen were in seniors business and seniors were in freshman business but like like most schools were not like that at all that is fucking crazy your sister that's really crazy yeah she because they my mom wanted to find like just better schools for them compared to where we were living at the time and she got offered like a half scholarship to I think it was Commonwealth and then the Newman school offered her a full scholarship and my mom was like I'm not paying like $30,000 for my kid to go to high school so she went to the Newman school which is also a great a great school yeah uh, Newman was like sort of the solution to like if you didn't want to send your kid if you were living in like Dorchester, Revere, et cetera. If mm-hmm. you didn't want to send your kid to like a traditional parochial school, like that was an option was to go yeah. to 
open and there was only like 50 spots per class. It was pretty small, but it was like sort of the in-between. Like it wasn't yeah. super yeah. And my mom, you know, growing up in Lexington, I was sort of surprised because she always like broke her back to make sure that I, we were staying in that school district. But then she yeah. started meeting this guy and he was like, you know, you should like diversify her background a little bit. Like you should have her go to a private school. And so I wound up getting into a few, but something with Newman really clicked for me. And mm-hmm. I was so nervous. Like when yeah. I tell you, like I had to go the summer before I started there. And my mom was like, I'm sending you to my mom had me go to school every summer. Like I was in, I didn't need to go. To school. She just made me go to school every summer. And like, now <laughs> I realize why she just didn't want to like put, send me to like camp or with a babysitter yeah. to keep me like, a nerd. So Mm -hmm. I had to go to school every summer and my summer at the Newman school leading up to freshman year. I remember like calling my mom and being like, there's goth kids here. Like I'm fucking freaking out. Like these kids. Cause like they had just lived like so much more of a city life than me, which is like right in the city. And it's exactly why I needed to go to that school. Like not only Mm -hmm. I think honestly, in a weird way, one of the best parts about going to Newman for me was that I had to learn how to take the tea. So like I was just, I became like very city fluent in that way where for the rest of, so my mom and this guy got engaged. They moved me to New Jersey for a summer. I was supposed to have to go to school in New Jersey, but thankfully by the time summer was over, their relationship was over. So my mom was like, want to go back to Lexington and I was like yeah and she was like well you could go to Newman again but like you could also go to Lexington High and I was like all Mm -hmm. right I'm going to Lexington High so that's where I went but I was always the one who like had the plug like out of all my friends in Lexington I'd be like here's how you do it you get on the tee we're gonna go see a show like I'll teach you how to scalp tickets at the Red Sox game like I figured out sort of like a a language within my city that I didn't know before but also Newman wasn't necessarily diverse either there was a lot of uh, my tutor was a Nigerian princess Um, I was just gonna say my little sister had a lot of international like rich really really rich uh, classmates that were like like half I feel like half of her classmates like had apartments they were in yes. high school. They just like had apartments. Yeah. It was wild. She was like, I, and cause she, we all like moved when we were already in school. Like we were already in high school. So she was in high school already. And she like, she like transferred in there and she was like, this is wild. Especially we coming from Alaska. Yeah. Off, off mic. We have <laughs> to have a conversation because I cannot believe the Newman connection. Like the fact that yeah. you said that is wild. I can't believe that. Did crazy. you know? You didn't know that, that I went to Newman. I knew I don't that know. you lived in Boston. So I knew that, but I, I don't think I, I, don't I think I heard you say that. I don't think I've that's ever crazy. said Newman. Like I've always <laughs> say I was on the back bay for a year, but I never say yeah. what that is. So fucking funny. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> and by the way, Joey McIntyre's mom. So Joey McIntyre and a couple of the new kids on the block kids went to Newman as well. And <laughs> Joey McIntyre's mom still worked at the YMCA that was like walking oh. distance from the school. So that would be one of the places because to get the whole school together, they would have to rent out a church or they would have to rent out a YMCA because there was nowhere that yeah, everyone could sit to meet. Mm-hmm. It's in a brownstone. So it was like two brownstones, which is basically like one rich family could be there or like two, like a whole ass school. <laughs> and so that's, yeah, that's Boston. 
And Joey McIntyre's mom, who had a poster of him in his office, was running the YMCA locally. And we would go meet up at that YMCA as like our our meeting place for the whole school. Yeah, I want to know so much more. Um, Okay, so (laughs) Bowza. All right. So Victor is at the Mayfair. He's working on the marquee. Um, I'm going to play this scene. But can we say that Greg actually in this scene looks like a conventionally handsome Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, yes. Did you pick up on that? Okay. I didn't, but now I am. (laughs) I agree with you. 21 to 116.27. Hey, man. I'm looking for Greg. Who wants to know? I want to ask him some questions about Tony Baldwin. You know what? You're the third person coming here asking for him. That bastard's more popular dead than he was alive. Third, huh? Ah. Who would have thought knowing Tony Baldwin could be so profitable? Yeah, right. So who was asking? Some broad, short, skinny, uh... And then some guy came right afterward wanting to know exactly what I told her. What would this guy look like? Uh, kind of tall, uh, sandy hair. Uh, I don't know. All right, all right. Why don't you just tell me what you told the others about Tony Baldwin? Red convertible? Claire had a red convertible right before Tony was killed. And a guy? Tall, sandy hair, gray truck. It it sounds like the guy that was at the house. Who? Claire's landscaper. Nick. He has a sign on the side of his truck. A gray truck. It was parked in the driveway when you dropped me off at Claire's house the other day. You're right. Things are starting to fall into place. And at least now we can connect this Nick guy to Claire. I was really hoping that we were wrong. That it wasn't her. With a sister like that, you don't need too many enemies. Even if we can show that Nick knew that Claire and Tony were having an affair, we still don't have enough to go to the police. It doesn't prove that Claire killed Jason and Tony. You're right. I need something more. Wait. Maybe there's something we can do. Okay. So, I mean... First of all, I'm shocked Tony didn't get killed or Greg rather didn't get killed in all of this. Because he will not shut his fucking mouth. And not only is he <laughs> did Victor pay him $20 for this hot information. Like I made sure to like look close up. I was like, oh, that's a $20 <laughs> bill he's doing this for. But then he like, this is how untrustworthy this motherfucker is. He's like, well, who else asked you? And he's like, full body descriptions. This is who else. This is what I told Mm -hmm. them. I'm like, you're going to, you're going to wind up dead. I mean, that's almost where I start to feel sorry for him. Cause I'm like, you stupid son of a bitch. Like you are a bartender. Part of your job is to just keep a, a closed lip and a low profile. Like no one oh my really. Gosh. I was watching this with my sister and she said the exact same thing. She's like, this man talks too much. Like, <laughs> why are you talking so much? And bored. 
Isn't it suspicious to you that so many people are asking you about the same piece of information? I would have quit my job. I would have been like, I got to go because I don't know what's going on, but it's it's not on the up and up. About Tony, of all people, like someone yeah. you haven't thought about in a, hopefully a very long time. Everyone's coming in to ask about yeah. Tony. People and someone who was murdered. Life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like you have a woman in a suit. You have a, a pecan sandy looking dude. And then you have this. <laughs> Like Italian guy coming up to you with a <laughs> Brooklyn ass- accent, all asking about yeah. the same thing, like something mm-hmm. wrong, my friend. But he and June are of the same kind. Like yeah. I would have been shocked if June and Greg wound up with the- <laughs> together. So um, we cut to a commercial break at the end of that, and then when we come back, we see Claire in Jason's mansion. Claire is in her bed, and it looks like she's sort of in and out of sleep. Um, mm-hmm. She gets up and she turns her lights on to see June in her room holding a gun. This is going to be the last clip we play until the very final end. Um, we're going to play 116.56 to 121.09. June. Hi, Claire. My God, what are you doing? Why the gun? Is it distracting? I thought it might convey how unhappy I am. Junior, are you off your medication? Dr. Yardley took care of that. Cut the act, Claire. I don't know what you're talking about. You and I are going to have a heart-to-heart. I did my homework, and I know everything. You've got me completely confused here. I know about you and Tony. I know about the affair. I know about your fender bender in the parking lot of the bar. And I know that you and Nick framed me for Jason's murder crazy june i wasn't seeing tony and i had nothing to do with his death or jason's that's not what greg said do you remember him tony's friend the bartender i have him on tape saying that your landscaper was there asking questions right after diane DeSalvo, and is starting to look like you had something to do with her untimely death as well you're insane maybe but it's better than being guilty you know, it, it, if this is all so neat and clean, why don't you just go to the police with your little fantasy? And turn in my own sister. We're blood, Claire. What do you want, June? I would like to know why you have done this to me. But that's for another time. Right now, what I need is your cooperation. With what? My plan. You and I are going to become partners. I want Sammy to have the life that he deserves. This life, your life. I could never give him that on my own. It's simple. Nick takes the fall for Jason's death all alone, and you split half of your inheritance with me so that Sammy and I can live happily ever after. That's ridiculous, June. It'll never work. That's why we have to kill him. I thought that might hit a nerve. I have the feeling that the two of you are more than just friends. I thought so. Tomorrow night, you call Nick and tell him to come to the house. You tell the police he came in while you were asleep. Say he raped you. He had been obsessing over you for months. He told you that he killed Jason and framed me so that the two of you could be together. You had no choice. You had to kill him. It was self-defense. 
will plant a few of your photos and intimate items, things that he stole from the house while he was working in the yard. And that way the police will never question his delusional and obsessive crush. Then I'm off the hook for Jason's death and you still inherit all of this. Well, at least half of it. I don't know what your game is here, but I don't believe you, June. You're not the type. I am tired of being the victim, Claire. I did it with Tony and I did it with you. I went to prison for eight years. I'm due. Call it restitution. It's your choice. Half of all of this or a six by nine cell all to yourself for the rest of your life. How are you going to plant the stuff in Nick's townhouse? I'm sure you have a key to his place. If you don't, you'll get one. Then you'll bring me the key and a collection of the items that he stole. And as soon as he leaves to come here, I will go there and plant them. And by the time you manage to save yourself from his vicious attack, I will be long gone. Once Nick's buried and everything is settled, I'll contact you. Where should we meet tomorrow? At the stadium on Sauter Road at the South Gate. Be there at eight. Set your date with Nick for nine. light a cigarette for that mm. that was some good shit i needed it june i needed yes. that from you that was yeah come on if you didn't know like when claire wakes up and her sister's holding a gun and she's like why do you have a gun if you didn't know that she knew this whole time that june didn't have a bone in her body that was capable of the crime she framed her for then there you go. That was it. Like she woke up so calm, took in this information. She was totally fine with it. Like that, I, that was just, mm, I needed that. I yes. love that scene in a movie. So Claire knows she's fucked basically. And she has to go by this yeah. plan. And this plan I have to say is truly genius. And I wonder like, was that her and Charlie? Was that her, Charlie and Victor? Like, was that all June? Like the way that they all came together on that, I was like, this, they might have criminal minds. Like maybe that's something they developed in jail. Right. So then, um, the next day at the house, Claire's, uh, pacing in her kitchen in her blue silk robe, which is like a really luxurious robe. And she picks up and she, I, I did too. I was like, (laughs) "Mm, I might want to look into that. I don't know if a, a silk robe yeah, seems hard I, to yeah, care for. I've always felt like that. It doesn't seem practical, but they look so nice. Like, she looks so they, great. Yeah, it's like yeah. dry, clean only pajamas. So um, she then picks up the phone, speed dials Nick, who has their gardener <laughs> on speed dial, I wonder. And then she tells him that she needs to see him that night. So June waits for Claire in the parking garage they talked about. And Claire comes rolling up in her BMW. And she gets out holding a paper bag. And she brings it to Claire and she tells her she knows exactly why June picked this place. This is where her dad used to take them (laughs) to watch club football matches. And June asked her if she remembers the time that their dad sent them down there to get some hot dogs and soda. I would love a hot dog by right now, by the way. And doesn't a hot dog sound so like when, when can we go back to a fair? Like that's where (laughs) I'm going to break my quarantine. So then, um, She's like, yeah, we, you know, we went down to get hot dogs and a soda and you fell. Everyone thought you broke your leg and you were screaming in pain. And I was so scared. So I ran to dad and to bring him down there. And when we got there, you know, you were fine. You remember that, right? 
you didn't break your leg. The doctor said it wasn't even sprained. And Claire's like, so fucking what? Like, what are you going to yeah. be doing? Like digging up mysteries from our whole life, trying to figure out why you had such a bad life. Do you think that you came here and got lost in a like in a reverie and to tell her all the things that like went yeah. wrong in their life that made her hate her? And she, why do you hate me? And she goes, I didn't always hate you, but somewhere between everyone fawning over you because you couldn't take care of yourself and doing cartwheels to keep you from being depressed. I got a little bit sick of it. And I just wrote in my notes, so mean, but probably so fucking true. Like I'm, I, I feel like that comes up a lot, like in siblings yeah. where like one resents the other one that needs more care. So June cannot believe that she was jealous all these years. And Claire says she wasn't jealous. She just wanted a normal sister. She didn't mean to frame her. She thought that her fragility would finally pay off and she would get away with a slap on the wrist. And June goes, eight years, Claire. Ooh, yeah, that was cool. eight years, June. If you hadn't spent them in prison, I know, eight years, June. Like, if you hadn't spent them in prison, you'd spend them getting Ooh. beat up by Tony every night. Don't blame me. You've always been the victim. It's the only role you know. And I was like, fuck you, Claire. Like, drop dead. Actually, like, truly like, drop you dead right now. This isn't yeah. a motivation for all of the murders that you've done. It's not enough. Like, I don't know why you're acting like, oh, like, sure, she got more attention. That's like a sibling rivalry type thing. But is it, does it explain all that you've done? No, it doesn't. And it always, <laughs> like, why are you so mad? It always comes back to like, yeah, but then our parents got divorced. And I'm like, yes, yes. everyone's parents get fucking divorced. True. Like, yes. grow up. Like, grow and you're up. 45 years old, at least. And you have a beautiful life. Like, shut yeah. the fuck up, Claire. Like, Claire yeah. been living on easy street. But then again, she's quick to point out, like, okay, so basically, Nick comes out of um, nowhere. And he's like, <laughs> and he has a gun. And she's like, do you really think you'd get half my money? I worked hard for that money, Junie. Living with Jason was no easy task. And so, and then Nick goes, we mm -hmm. both worked hard for this. And I'm like, Jason wasn't that bad. Like... <laughs> He was I also was like, could you, did you need to do like an eight year, like long con? I feel like you could have hit him with like some poison two years in or like staged an accident. Like you didn't have to wait for her to get out of jail for eight years and then frame her for another murder. If you didn't mean to frame her for the first murder in the first place. And by the way, poison, so easy to get away with. Like I... Yes. I've obviously never poisoned anyone, so I can't really say that with confidence, but <laughs> I think women love to poison. That's sort of like our yeah. thing is like our, we poison people, right? And like, yeah. just, especially in 2006, so many ways to get away with it that aren't, yeah. you know, not even on the radar at that time. So Claire says that Sammy will be sad at first, but eventually he'll get over it. Basically, she's saying, you know, in her mind, she goes, she's going to have, they're going to paint them killing Claire as her walking off of the Benjamin Franklin bridge into the Delaware, very impulsive, no goodbyes. And then she's like, yeah. over it. So then Nick is about to shoot when Victor and Charlie come out from behind, like a <laughs> pole thing. And they go, he goes, I wouldn't do that. And so June tells Claire that she thought she might try to pull something like this off. And Claire says, yeah. And we just needed, um, and Charlie says, yeah, and we just needed a proof. So <laughs> Charlie <laughs> has like, AV set up in her bag. And I love that. She has a whole ass boom mic with like a yeah. lot, really long cord that just clearly came from the set. 
Charlie, I love that. she's <laughs> with it. Nothing is going to stop Charlie. Like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? Just because she's been in prison for the last eight years doesn't mean she's not going to catch up on the latest and greatest, like, recording mm-hmm. technology you can get. Her <laughs> so they have all the proof. Um, she plays back a piece of, like, the recorded tape that they have. And it's both of their full confessions. So Nick goes to shoot Victor, but Victor's faster and he shoots Nick and he drops the gun right away. June picks up the gun and points it at Claire. And she tells mm-hmm. her it's over. Okay. It's all over now. But Claire says June wouldn't possibly shoot her. She couldn't. So Claire goes, um, Claire's like, you know what? You can't go back to prison. And before it's like, she turns her back and she runs back to her car. Um, then Charlie pulls her phone out. She calls 911. She needs an ambulance and the police. It's now two weeks later, according to the title card that pops up. It's a beautiful day and they are surrounded by trees at Vincent's house. We're going to play the very last, very lifetimey clip of this, but can we just like say that we never got any closure on what happened with her sister? Right. They never say like, and then they picked up Claire downtown and she went in. Like we uh, all assume that she's in jail, but we never Even Nick, like, is he that. dead or is he in jail? Because they shake him knows- hard. Okay. But- I, got, I mean, it's just the whole motivation was just truly lacking for me because I'm just like, Nick committed all these murders and he didn't even have like the full picture for most of the time. Yeah, he was, it, he was in it for the pussy girl. Like that's what that <laughs> it is. But but Claire's very manipulative. She she played that that very well. By the way, I have to ask you because it was occurring to me like when June was doing the whole like you guys are he's gonna come over here. You're gonna shoot him while you're having yeah. sex. Like, have you ever had to do a love scene on camera? Not yet. I have not. I cannot imagine how uncomfortable that shit is. I really can't. Like I know. people talk about it all the time about how like very uncomfortable it is, but I have not been put in that position yet. But also like, I think the public narrative, like when they're in an interview and they're like, Oh yeah, it was like so awkward. Like it didn't mean anything. It's, yeah. I, feel I don't, like I don't think that's lie. true. I feel mm-hmm. totally a lie. Like I dated an actor and I was like, well, like I just feel uncut. Like, are you like going to be doing like sex scenes? And he was like, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, bitch, like I saw <laughs> how easy it was for me to seduce you. Like it's not difficult. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like it difficult. could get awkward depending on who the, like, cause on TV and, and in film, like you see a lot more older men younger women so that's something that might make you uncomfortable but like if it's like a pairing that's like just two people who are like clearly attractive i don't think the narrative is true that it's like so awkward because people are looking at you like you're not actually having sex so how awkward can it be well i remember like ellie kemper like and i appreciate her sort of like guileless honesty about this but when she was Going on a press tour about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she was saying like, oh, like, you know, like whenever I would have to kiss someone for a day, like I would feel like I was in love with them and like (laughs) felt like I was like in love with them. And I was like, I knew it. Thank you for being honest, girl. Like, thank you for not even knowing how honest you're being like, because she's so like that, though. (laughs) I really like that about her, too. I know. It's like she's like a little kid in that way. She is like a little kid. This is our final scene, our little button on the whole movie, 126 29 to 128. I think you'll be surprised how this ends up. So, have you talked to her since the arrest? 
Claire's on her own now. I don't think I'm ever going to want to see her again. I could never live this far out in the middle of nowhere. It's a 20-minute drive just for a pizza. I know. It's wonderful. Hey, Mom, look what I caught. Let me see, let me see. Wow. Is that bluegill? It's trout. Lake's full of them. Looks like fish and chips for dinner. Now, Victor said next weekend I can go out on the boat with him and we can catch really big fish. Really? Well, you know, uh, deer season's coming up and it gets pretty busy. I could use a partner. Mom, can I be his partner, please? All right, Captain Ahab. Let's get this cleaned up and get that fish smell off of you. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Well, uh, you know, if you leave now, you're going to miss the best part of the year. Well, how long do I have to decide? As much time as you need. <laughs> I don't know why that music always gives me chills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm roped in. Dude, they fully yeah. showed the dead fish in the cooler, too. So if you guys... <laughs> watch the movie trigger warning there are two dead fish in the cooler at the end i um thank you so much for coming and doing my three-hour podcast (laughs) before we wrap up um i i'm gonna put all of your information in the description below so people can find you um but is there anything you want to say about um the movie itself are there any like lingering thoughts or notes that you had that you put off your chest um well I want to say first that I read the tagline on IMDb and it says, she may not be guilty, but she's far from innocent. And I don't know what that means. Well, like like pretty, she far from, she's innocent. She is innocent. In every way. Like (laughs) the sweet, trusting girl. (laughs) Like you really had to fuck her over for her to pull like anything on you. And like, yeah. And she let her own sister go. Like her sister who just said all that shit to her. I would have shot through the the windshield. (laughs) I was thinking, I was like, at least shoot her tires. Like you're just going to let her leave. Yeah. I, maybe I'm dirty like that and I don't even know it, but I would have fr- fully tried something at the end. Yeah. All that shit she talked. Fuck that. Um, yeah. there's some great uh, <laughs> user reviews. If you guys want to go on to IMDb. Yeah. I'm always shocked at like how no one else seems to have like the sense of humor about lifetime movies that we People try. To so <laughs> People are like, this movie was not good. Like it was a not good movie. And I'm like, I no, saw one like- review where somebody was like, they were like, they're so stupid there. There's like pauses where it's just a black screen. And it's like, yeah, that, it's a commercial. That, they do that. that. I've seen that on a couple of lifetime movie reviews. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, what? like also like ha- imagine not having that like the awareness of a TV program to realize like when you're watching something like of course <laughs> you have commercial breaks built in. It's a fucking TV movie. It's like, for TV, and it's so weird because when you watch the older movies, like before they built in those commercial breaks, it's actually kind of jarring to think yeah. like they had to put commercials in this. Um, yeah, it is. The big movie of the weeks, like where mm-hmm. did 
I feel like I remember now when I watch those, I'm like, I feel like I remember commercial breaks being weird when I was a kid. Yeah, it's just like a hard cut sometimes. A built in like, yeah. So, okay. Is there anything that you want people to watch that you've done? Any work that you're proud of? Um, I have mostly just like co-stars on TV shows and um, like commercials and stuff right now. So, uh, you know, hopefully upcoming, we'll have some bigger stuff. And if anyone is looking for me, you can find me in the show notes, I guess, on, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, sure. May I say one more thing, which was just great. I was looking up, first I was, <laughs> I was looking up the movie on IMDb. And so I looked up Framed for Murder and another movie came up called Framed for Murder, a fixer upper mystery, which is a Hallmark movie. Oh, starring Jewel, who also grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, where I'm from. She was like the only like famous person that was from there. And so oh I just really God. needed to share that. Again, like- I have chills because, by the way, <laughs> Fixer Upper Mysteries sounds like garage sale mysteries to me. Like the show yeah. that Lori Laughlin, she fumbled the bag on that. <laughs> I, and that sounds exactly at my alley. I love that Jewel's your girl. That's like your celebrity. That's what you guys he's, Yeah, He's the only person from Alaska. I as far as my Alaskan knowledge, I was thinking two days ago, I was like, I should go to Alaska before I die. But truthfully, I don't know if I deserve it because I just found out like five <laughs> years ago that it's not an island. I always thought <laughs> it was an island because like, I'm an idiot. So like I just... A lot I, of people I, don't know it's in America. So you're already like ahead of yeah it's, many people it's, so that's it's good to canada if you guys didn't know if you want me to tell you more <laughs> the facts i think i'm probably the person you want to go to but oh my god yes. i love you i'm so excited we did this i'm so that thrilled was so cool thank you you're an amazing guest and i hope that you and i get to stay in touch if not just to yeah. like talk shit about newman but like i <laughs> want to be your friend so please stay in me my life too. And thank you so much for picking this amazing movie. And hopefully we get to talk soon. Thank you, you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.